Good morning and welcome to another edition of the Bat Around on a beautiful Saturday morning here in the Baltimore metropolitan area. It is gorgeous. The Baltimore metropolitan area. I don't think I it's that. the Baltimore metropolitan area. It might be. We're, I don't know. we're in Towson. I think I, that's like, is that, is that, I don't, who the hell knows? I don't know how that works. I don't know. Uh, whatever. The, the Baltimore <laughs> Mets. No, we're good with the Orioles, especially after last night's victory. The Bat Around brought to you today by... The FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Cup Experience, Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and the Hotel. The ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. 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 In the Baltimore metropolitan area. In the area. Baltimore metropolitan <laughs> area, which is in the state of Maryland. It was Maryland last night. We were all a bit merry after the uh, after mm. the Orioles pulled off a 2 to nothing victory over the American League best Houston Astros, marking four straight victories in Houston mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. this rowdy bunch of guys. Uh, last year, they go into Houston in June. Worst team in baseball. The Orioles by far. I mean, the Diamondbacks were lost 110 games, but the Orioles were the worst team Correct. in baseball last yeah. year. And they, they go a 14-game losing streak, a 9-game losing streak, an 8-game losing streak, multiple 6-game losing streaks. And they go into Houston in June, and they sweep three from the from the Astros. Fast forward to this year. Orioles go into that game last night at 65-59. and 59. Kyle Bradish takes to the hill eight innings later in 90, after 96 pitches, two hits, two walks, and no runs with six strikeouts. He has the Orioles in position for a 2 to nothing victory, of course, because Ramon Arias went two for four with a game-winning two-run homer in the sixth inning. I love your tweet about that, by the way. Uh, Ramon, I could kiss you. <laughs> Correct. <Yeah. laughs> well, because you're watching this game, right? You're wa- you're watching the game last night. And the Orioles have opportunity after opportunity after opportunity, and they keep failing, right? And you're sitting there, and you're like, <sighs> they've played too well to lose this game, and yet they're going to lose this game because it's the Astros, right? Sure. It's, it's not because you're downtrodden about the Orioles, and people seem to think that I am. <laughs> um, it's not because you're you're downtrodden about the Orioles. It's because it's the Astros, and. They're at home. They have the hammer. It's a nothing-nothing game. You've wasted multiple opportunities. At some point, the other shoe's going to drop, and the Astros are going to break through. Well, they didn't. And Ramon Arias hits that two-run homer in the sixth, and you're like, man, with with Bradish pitching the way he is, if he can give them seven, maybe eight, maybe a complete game sure. you know, to rest that bullpen, because Bautista's been worked, right? Uh, he went two innings a couple of days ago and through twenty uh, a couple of days ago and through 26 pitches. He had a five-out save. This is a guy who um who's been who's been really working, really doing well, but he's probably not available last night. Yeah. Right. So you need as much as you can get out of Kyle Brash. And boy, did he rise to the occasion. I mean, pitch efficient, right? He hasn't been pitch efficient all year, except for that start in St. Louis where he went yeah. seven innings. Ninety-six pitches through eight innings, just the two hits, the two walks. He only had three 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 ball counts the entire game. The entire game. Six strikeouts, the the uh, no runs. Kyle Stowers goes two for three after. And can we talk about Kyle Stowers for a minute, man? They'll have to. That home run that he hit, dude. I'm so I, I'm a bit of an Ostradamus. Um, (laughs) as, uh, the, the guy who does the, for the culture, uh, podcast, um, he's a big Orioles fan and he called me Ostradamus because I made the prediction that Kyle, that Kyle Stowers was going to hit his first home run the other night. And a couple of weeks ago, I, out of, out of left field, I said, 
Austin Hayes and Ryan Mountcastle are going deep tonight. And they both had only hit like one home run in the last month. And, right. they, bo- and they both went deep. So I'm calling myself Ostradamus. Okay. <laughs> okay. We're going to name so, the uh, the show the bat around with the, the Ostradamus. The, the bat around with <laughs> Ostradamus and Zach Goodman. Um, but so it's an 0-2 count. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, man. Kyle Brash, this poor guy, he's just he, he's he's struggling right now because he's getting used to big league pitching. Sure, and I'm in the grocery store. I was listening to the game on the radio, and I, the Orioles had shown no signs of, signs of life in the ninth inning. They went two up, two down. I'm like, all right. I go in the grocery store. the The um, Mass app is freezing because it's it's a great app. Um, and so I have to watch the game through the the live um, game day on MLB okay. on the yeah. MLB app, right? And I see Stowers has no two count, and then I look down, and I'm like waiting for the next pitch, and I'm like, what is taking so long? And I look, and it says, error by the left fielder, dropped fly ball. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, my God. That's the type of thing that happens in baseball where the guy ends up hitting a game-tying home run and like because the guy didn't make the out. Right. And then, sure enough, 0-2 against Liam Hendricks, and he blasts his first home run of the season to dead center field. I mean, maybe not dead center field, but center field, nonetheless. And then how hyped he was. Rounding the bases. That, if that doesn't inject energy into your club, into your fan base, they tie the game. They end up winning it in extra innings on the Anthony Santander walk-off hit. And then Sowers comes out. Maybe he's settling in. Maybe that home run took a huge monkey off his shoulders, and now he's settling in. He goes two for three last night. Orioles pick yeah. up the two-to-nothing victory. Zach, how big of it, how, how, how big is it for the Orioles to win that first game of the series against a really tough Astros team. Well, I mean, it's huge. You're looking at the the best team in the AL West and a team that's frankly dominated. Best team in the AL. Really best, right, best team in the AL and, and, and a team that's dominated just about every one of the good teams this year in, in baseball. Look so, what they've done to Seattle. Right, they, they've crushed them all year. And Seattle's in, in wildcard position and they're probably going to be there at the end of the year. But Houston's just been good and they're always good. And the, the, the team is so dangerous from top to bottom. You look at the Yankees and then I think Houston and, and and the Dodgers are right there as far as talent goes, just throughout that roster. You look at guys like Alex Bregman. He's not even having a great year, but he's still a great player on that team. And Jose Altuve, and there's just, and you can, you know, keep naming off these guys over and over. Kyle Tucker, Jordan Alvarez. It doesn't get easier. You go through that lineup and it simply doesn't. So for Kyle Bradish to go out there and do that, to give the Orioles that win, and for Ramona Rios to be able to come through in the situation that he did. It's it's a really good sign. Um, I I don't know if they're going to win all three games in the series. I, I think you know I'll be I'll be happy if, really if they just win the one. I th- I think that's really important in itself because of how tough this team is and the, and the task you're facing. But it's it's really important for them to go out there and do that. And I think it injects, like you said, not only what Kyle Stowers did, but this is going to inject a lot of energy into the the whole clubhouse and say, hey, we can go out there and beat the, a team like the Astros, and we can do that in October. We can do that in November. It's mm. going to be you know it's 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 huge for you. Yeah, and. You win the first game. What? Are, what are we? What, you and I were texting the other day, right? The Orioles are ten and seven mm-hmm. since that loss, that eight to one loss uh, against the Pirates a few weeks back. And we said, look, this is they now they're entering their fifty four game stretch to end the year. Mm-hmm. They're playing thirty four games of those fifty four against teams with winning records. Yeah, and they're twenty seven and thirty five against teams with winning records. And we we said that the or- Orioles probably at that point needed to get to 88 89 wins. Right now they're 10 and 7 since that stretch. Right. With, since that stretch started with the win last night. You Which is I, okay. Yeah, and honestly, it's 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 a pace that gets you to 88 wins. Mm-hmm. If it continues. Now look, they have 
13 more games against the Blue Jays, including a doubleheader on Labor yeah. Day. That's going to be tough. They yeah. still have to play the Rays one more time. They have to play the Yankees one. No, no, they did. They already played the Rays. Um, they have to play the Yankees one more time. And keep in mind that the Rays have the tiebreaker because they went t- 10 and 9 against the Orioles this year after going 18 and 1 against them last year. But they have to play the Yankees uh, three more times. Yeah. Um, this is, it's not going to be an easy road to home. No. Right. But they're 10 and 7 right now. And you and I, the other day, we were, we were texting, and we said they probably need to win two out of every three the rest of the way, right? And what did they do? They won two, they won two out of three against Boston. Mm-hmm. They won two out of three against the White Sox. They've won four or five against the Blue Jays. Um, and they, they just won the first game against Houston, which means you just need to win either today or tomorrow right. uh, to, to win this series. You got to find a way to win one of these next two games. If you go into Houston and you take two out of three, that's huge. That's huge for for what you're trying to do. It's huge for the morale of your ball club. It's such a big momentum push. Mm-hmm. If you get two out of three against Houston, that's what I'm pulling for. I'm not right. They, they won this game. I'm not gonna be happy if they lose the next two. Well, again, it, it tells your team this is someone we can go out and beat in October. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. we, we have the power, we have the the team to really go out there and win against the Dodgers and the, the Yankees. Not that they're going to play the Dodgers, probably, but you know we can go out there and beat the best teams in the league. And that's not going to be a problem. And by the way, though, they should be beating Boston and the White Sox like they did. They should be taking two out of three against right. those teams. I mean, the Blue Jays, the Astros, like I said, I'll be happy, really, in those kind of series if they just win one. Because it is really tough. And there's just so much talent on both those teams. And, and that's why it makes you upset that they went into Boston that on that Thursday for that one game. Right, and lost. And, 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 and lost a ball game. And it makes you upset that then they played the Cubs and they lost a ball game. Because right. these, are, these are winnable games. And they lost both of those games 4-3. to three. Right. Um, they're, they're winnable games. Um... But again, the 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 White Sox the White Sox are trying to get back into. You know they're thing. coming right now, they're, right? They're, well, they're they're two and nine in their last eleven games. Wow, I did, okay. yeah, they're two okay. and nine in their last eleven games. But part of that is because they went and lost two or three to the Orioles. Yeah, they're, they're a team that was scratching, clawing to get back into this race. Look, they're they're still not that far out in the in the Central. Yeah, it's uh, it's a division. They're going to have to win that division to get into the playoffs, right? Right, you have to. So it's it's one of those things where they need to win. And you go and you beat them anyway. Mm-hmm. You go into Houston. Houston doesn't need to win. They want to win. They want to. Of course, they want to win. They want to beat you. They want to win. A, they want to win a World Series. They need to get another World Series to get the stigma of the cheating scandal yeah. Yeah. off their shoulders, right? So to go in and win Game One, that is so huge. Mm-hmm. It's so huge. And if they win today, all bets are off for tomorrow, right? And now. Brandon and I will probably punt the lineup tomorrow. Oh, for sure. But, but, but you know, there's no doubt in my mind that Robinson Chirinos is catching tomorrow. But that's a story for another day. Orioles get the win. They've been playing good baseball. Yes. They're now a season high, seven games above 500 at 66 and 59 after failing to reach seven games above 500 in their last four chances. Rotation has been absolutely fantastic, Zach. Uh, Kyle Bradish has a 3.21 ERA in six games started since coming off the IL. Jordan Lyles has a 3.55 ERA in his last seven starts. Austin Voth, since joining the Orioles in June, has pitched to an ERA of three or better in three straight months. He's 4-1 and one with a 2.85 ERA in 15 games, 11 starts with the Orioles. 2.57 ERA yeah. his last seven starts. Spencer Watkins, 247 ERA in his last nine starts since coming off the IL. He did have the one uh, relief appearance where he gave up three runs and we 
wiped out of that uh, rundown. <laughs> but in his last nine starts, 247 ERA. Dean Kramer in four August starts is 2-1 with a 259 ERA. That is five members of your bullpen, uh, bullpen of your rotation, that are all pitching extraordinarily well. Yeah, especially I, when you consider who they are. Right. I mean, I feel like we've been saying for months, when's the the, the other shoe going to drop for these guys? Like Austin Voth, especially for me, and Spencer Watkins, too. Both of those guys are, I don't want to use this word, but cast-offs from other teams. They're right. they're not players who have really had a lot of significance in, in baseball for the past few years. And they've come out here this year, and maybe it's Chris Holt. I, I would think most of it is probably Chris Holt. But and also, the analytics department. And the analytics department, and what they're doing behind the scenes. And I know, I think it was Austin Voth talking about that, what they're doing behind the scenes. And Kyle Bradish was saying it last night as well it's it's clearly making a difference i mean these guys have again they're cast offs that have now become you know mid to era pitchers mm-hmm. that's a huge difference and it's been huge for them and again i don't know if this is going to last till next year right like i don't mm-hmm. know if austin voth is going to come out here next year and, and put up a 2-5 era i would actually doubt that but it's it's certainly good while they're while, while the orioles have it right now but i mean it's it's not hurting them at all <laughs> that's he, for he, sure he's going to get an opportunity he will too next year and and then when you consider the fact that you have Grayson Rodriguez coming, and mm-hmm. he's going to pitch in a game, whether it's in the minors or the majors, he's getting back on a game mound. The, the, Mike yeah. Elias said as much, right? Uh, and Grayson Rodriguez echoed that. So you you have some solid options coming. You may go into free agency and get another starter, but mm-hmm. right now the rotation that you're doing right now, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. Well, right. I mean, if this is what you can make Spencer Watkins out to be, though, what can you make a better starter look right. like? I mean, you can really do a lot with a veteran who's been around for a while, and you say, hey, you know, look at that slider you've been throwing a little bit. Let's throw it more. Do something like that. One of the analytical moves that help these guys really, you know, go from a, a good pitcher to an even better one. And, and I think that's going to be really important for them. Spencer Watkins, I'll, I'm going to tell you, he's not going to be here next year. I, mean, I would and, doubt and, it. And it's not because they wouldn't want him here. It's because he's a free agent. Yeah. And somebody's going to sign him. based on The, the, the sample size right. is big enough right now that somebody's going to be like, you know what, I, I can put this guy in the back end of my rotation mm-hmm. and, and he's not going to hurt me. Yeah. Uh, so somebody's, gonna, somebody's going to sign uh, Watkins in the offseason. Now, the bullpen... Has been good the majority of the year, but recently they've been struggling. They have a 4.07 ERA since that the since uh, the game after that um, that game against Pittsburgh. They have a 4.07 ERA, which is not great for a bullpen. They have a 5.40 ERA over their last nine games, including five unearned, not including the five unearned runs allowed by Keegan Aiken, Keegan Aiken last Friday. So it's really like a 6.99 mm-hmm. ERA. Um, the bullpen, and we, we talked about this and we were saying last night, I was saying last night and you kind of echoed it in a direct message with me on Twitter that I would have liked to have seen Kyle Bradish get the opportunity hundred percent to go out there for the ninth inning. He's only at 96 pitches. I mean, you've let Jordan Lyles start, start innings at 96 sure. pitches, right? And I get Jordan Lyles is a veteran. He's been around. You had the injury issue with, with Bradish. And, and, and so look, I'm not, I'm not gonna, you know, split hairs here over him not going out for the ninth inning. But if you just if you send him out for the ninth inning and somehow he manages to go one, two, three in that inning, yeah. and maybe he throws twelve pitches. So he's at hundred and eight pitches for the game, which is, you know, whatever. Right. Um you've saved your entire bullpen. Your entire bullpen. Now last night you and you used two relievers mm-hmm. in the ninth inning last mm-hmm. night. You know, if if you have Tate available, I don't understand why Tate isn't the guy. To start the ninth inning, like what, what to me, CNL Perez. Why would CNL Perez be the guy to start that inning? It's not only that maybe Tate's the better fit, but Tate also just hasn't pitched nearly as much. And mm-hmm. when you're looking at bullpen usage, I've said it over and over about CNL Perez. He's been used way too much, and now yeah. Felix Bautista's kind of in that same camp. 
I don't think Dylan Tate's in that camp yet, and I think he would have been the better move just to start out the inning, like you said. It, it, but look, why are you pulling Kyle Bradish at all? I, I still cannot find logic behind that one. Well, look, it's uh, again the shoulder issue that he had. I guess right? that's and, the and, only and he's, and he's coming off reason. the IL. He's he's never this is foreign territory mm-hmm. for him, right? And he's done his job. Eight innings of shutout ball against the Houston Astros on ninety six pitches. It's probably like, look, I'm not going to look a gift horse in the mouth. I'm going to mm-hmm. get him out of there with the, with this feel good thing, and not to mention the fact that you have nine one two. Coming up in that inning, or maybe was that who who was coming up? I, I don't believe so. Uh, the, you, I think you actually had the middle of the order. Yeah, I, I don't think it was the. I don't think it was the top of the order. Uh, no. Maybe I think it was the inning before that. It was yeah. nine one yeah. two. They, they came up, but you have coming up in the ninth inning. Yuri Gurriel, Jordan Alvarez, yes. Alex Bregman, Kyle Tucker, Trey Mancini. Right. Um. So I get it. I get not bringing him out. But so I said, I, it was tongue in cheek when I said coward on on Twitter. I'm not actually. I, I would never call a man over a baseball decision a coward. I still would have liked to have seen Kyle Bryce get because how the other thing is with the way that today's game is, how many chances are you going to get at a complete game shutout, and how many chances are you going to get at a complete game shutout against a team like the Astros? You know, not many. At you all. know, your bullpen's been taxed. They haven't been pitching well for the for about seventeen for about three weeks now. Um, you need to give them. You don't need to do anything, but it would have been nice for Kyle Bradish to get the opportunity. And look, if he goes out there as soon as he lets a base runner on, okay, pull him, right? But to not give him the chance, it just it sucks for Kyle Bradish. Yeah. You know, your bullpen. You you got to rest. Uh, Bautista, Crable didn't pitch. Baker didn't pitch. Uh, Aiken didn't pitch. You're you're okay. Vespi didn't pitch. You only used two of your relievers last night. I would still have only liked to have seen one reliever, but mm. I'm glad he did get CNL Perez out of the game because I don't know that I trusted him. No, I was getting worried, definitely. Yeah. I, I was looking at what he was doing, and I mean, even even some of the strikes he was throwing, he was getting really lucky on. Just guys weren't swinging or whatever. He was just, it, it was grooving a lot of pitches last night, and I, it was it was time for Brandon Hyde now, to make that move. Brandon Hyde, uh, Brandon Hyde, uh, Trey Mancini comes up to the mm-hmm. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? Thousand percent. In, in in that moment, that, that Trey Mancini is going to get some some uh, some sweet. Uh, what what what's the word I'm looking for? Revenge. I, I, but, <laughs> but it's but not they, it's not revenge. It's not really revenge. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they, they traded him. He knew he was getting sure. traded. But it would have been bittersweet for Trey to hit sure. that home run uh, last night. But he strikes out. Look, he's had he's hit six home runs in now 19 games mm-hmm. with the Astros. But he's hitting about 220. Yeah, the on base percentage isn't very yeah. high either. So That's yeah. He's um. Th- it's been been a an up and down for for Trey since I, I, I he got there. I think inconsistent playing time has kind of been the reason that he's really struggled. He hasn't really played that much. I mean, nineteen games that's that's nothing. I mean, he yeah. probably could have played at least thirty if uh, if Dusty Baker had been playing him every night. But that's the way it's gone well, for well, him. Well, I mean, he and only, got, he, he only got traded August first. Yeah, I guess not, maybe not thirty, but probably about six more, seven yeah, more. Yeah. So you you figure you're on the twenty seventh of the month and maybe you had two off days. He's played nineteen of twenty five games. Twenty five, right. You traded right. for a guy that you're that you're not playing every day. Exactly. Basically. Yeah. Um and this is a guy who's used to playing every single day. So maybe that has something to do with it. Now the offense is sputtering a little bit here. Um three runs or less in seven of the last thirteen games. They have recorded fewer than ten hits in all but one of those last thirteen games. Of course the eighteen hit uh performance against the the Red Sox last Friday. Are you concerned about the Orioles offense moving forward? 
I don't think there's any reason not to be, right? I mean, you look at Ryan Mountcastle and, and Austin Hayes, two of the guys that really have made the biggest impact on the offense in the past few years here. They've basically done nothing for mm-hmm. the past, you know, month, two months, somewhere in that span. And Since the, the end of June, they've right, done and, and, uh, virtually nothing. And these are guys who expect to be in the middle of your order, hitting home runs, you know, getting on base at a decent clip, and they're not at all. You know, mm-hmm. Ryan Mountcastle, the, the swing and miss, and Austin Hayes as well, the swing and miss right now is just... It's through the roof. I mean, basically, you know, chasing every slider you can imagine. Austin Hayes chasing a lot of fastballs up and in. He just can't get around on them. It's it's a big struggle for those two guys right there, now, and there, I think that's the big reason this offense is struggling. There was there was an at bat that Mountcastle had last night, and I think it was later in the game. It's a two zero count. Mm-hmm. It's a fastball count, and he gets a fastball basically right down the middle, maybe closer to inner third. And not only did he swing right through it. He pulled off the ball. Yeah, like it looked. Like he, he does that a lot. Pulls it, off. It, it looked like he was swinging at a pitch that was four inches further inside mm-hmm. than than that pitch was. I mean, and you need to be sitting dead. Re- I gotta stop saying you need to be. Like I'm not. I'm. I'm. <laughs> I, I'm not the grand poobah of this. Like I'm. I'm. I'm not the authority on this. But I feel like you should be sitting dead red on a fastball. It's what, the same thing that I got upset about Adley, with Adley Rutschman for that game where he went 0-4 for 4 and left seven mm-hmm. guys on base against the Rays uh, a few, a few um, probably about a month and a month half ago. A month ago at this point, yeah. 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 He, um, it was the 2-0 count, and he took a fastball right down the middle and mm-hmm. didn't, didn't swing at it, and he ended up striking out, and he had bat the Orioles lose that game. And then the next day he comes out and it, it, to pinch hit, and on a 2-0 count he gets a fastball, and he swings at it, and he hits a two-run homer mm-hmm. to tie the game. Um Mountcastle 2-0, dead red on a fastball, and you pull off on it that much. Keep that 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 front shoulder in, and yeah. throw your hands at the ball. It, it, it's just, and I don't need to t- uh, look. Ryan Mountcastle was a better hitter in elementary school than I've ever been in my entire <laughs> life. Okay, so I, I'm not one to, to to tell him how to hit. He's just. It seems like he's fallen away from what's made him successful. Yeah. And this is a guy who has hit at every level right. along the way. It's the reason he was a first-round pick. Uh, and you saw what he did in the in the small sample size in the truncated season in 2020. Mm-hmm. Then he came out last year, got off to the awful start in April, but then tore the cover off the ball the rest of the year. Yeah. This year through June, he was red hot. Yeah. And he just fell off a cliff. The, the, the He started to show glimpses here and there, but this guy's bat speed, his barrel-to-ball ability, is too good yeah. for him to be doing what he's doing for the better part of the last two months. Man, if he could just cut out chases, and of, of course that's never going to happen, but mm-hmm. if he could cut down on them uh, and start making better swing decisions, it will take his game to a new level. It really will. That's his biggest issue right now. I, you can just see it. The guy has really little idea of when to lay off of a slider. He mm-hmm. just doesn't know how to hit the slider. And I, I think the league is exposing that. There's probably a lot of guys who went and watched tape on, on Ryan Malcastle before the season started and said, hey, this guy can't hit this pitch, this pitch, this pitch. That's all we're going to throw him. That's kind of what we're seeing right now. That yeah. He's just being exposed on what he can't do. And when Ryan Malcastle gets a pitch he wants, he, he crushes it. I mean, yeah. the guy has unreal power. and Like you said, unreal bat speed, barrel to ball skills. He has it all. It's just putting it together and not making bad swing decisions for him. And I think the same is true for Austin Hayes, but I don't think Hayes is quite the natural hitter that, that Ryan Malcastle is. But it's it's really a problem that's kind of you know ballooning for both of them right now. And they're, they're, they're not breaking out of it. And that's the problem. Hayes is a far better player than he's shown yeah. the last two months. 100%. Yeah. He's a far better player than that. I think it's, it has a lot to do with the wrist issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, he it's not his fault. He got hit by, by a pitch on the wrist like three times yeah. this year. And, and I noticed he's standing further off the play now 
which might be an adjustment that he's making. Right. I, I noticed it the other day. He's several inches further back than he was in the past. And maybe that's an adjustment that he has to make because maybe sure. he feels like he can't get to the outside pitch anymore, right? Um, it's just one of those things. It's a game of adjustments, and he's got to make those adjustments. Same thing with Ryan Mountcastle. Now, the thing about Hayes is you got to make those adjustments quick. There's nobody coming to take Mountcastle's job. There's people coming to take yours. Yeah, that's. I mean, we talked about Colton Kowser. We we love Colton Kowser mm-hmm. on the show, and he's a guy who is so really really at this point pretty close. And yeah. he hasn't hit Triple A yet, but I wouldn't think that stint would take too long. Probably like Adley Rutschman's, where it's it's you know maybe I, thirty I, games. I look like at Colton Kowser, and I think that you could put him on the major league roster right now, and he'd hold his own. I saw your tweet about that the other day. Uh, I I agree with that. I mean, I I don't think there's the on base skills and the way he works at bats, the the presence at the plate. I think the overall maturity of him is mm-hmm. is what makes him such a, a prime prospect and a guy that I'm really excited about. At, at high A, he was struggling this year. Yeah. And then he goes to double A and he's hitting 350 yeah. and, and with like a 420 on base percentage. And, and you don't get better by going up another level. No. I mean, not, I mean not a, you do get better because you learn to face tougher, tougher competition. But you don't hit 100 points higher. Which, they, yeah. which makes me think that he these were adjustments that he was going to... If he had stayed at, at high A, there are adjustments he would have made there. They, yeah. There are adjustments he would have made anywhere. And Colton Kowser, that, that dude's knocking on the door right. as early as next spring. And I don't think he's all that... You know, I it, it's hard to say he's going to be better than Austin Hayes. Like I said, I, I never like talking in, in definitives and right. saying, this guy is going to be better. It's just that... You look at the tools and what he can do, and they're pretty opposite of Austin Hayes the, at this the, point. The hit tool, the hit tool is completely and, the other way, and the swing decisions are so far and away better. Right. I mean, the odd base percentage. You said four twenty is, is where he's at uh, right now. It, it's it, I mean somewhere he, in that ballpark. He, he, he takes his fair share of walks. It's it's right. got to be right around that. I'll I'll look it up. And, and we've talked about it with Double A before. The Double A is is very talented. I mean, there's so many top prospects there, and he's probably facing a lot of guys who are around his competition level or even better. And that's really great experience for him, and I think it I, will I, be. I sold him so short. Really, his his, his on base percentage for the season between the two leagues is four twenty six. Wow. Okay. But at um at Bowie, it's got to be way higher. He's hitting three fifty one with a four seventy nine on base wow. percentage. Wow. Wow. Yeah. The, that's a guy who could hold his own right yeah. now. Yeah. Uh, three fifty one. Yeah. It, th- that's a guy like you called Manny up from Double A. Mm-hmm. And Manny, who was hitting two fifty six at Double A, hit like two seventy nine. Yeah. As as a rookie. <laughs> Um, well, I think there's a lot of guys that it just they feed off the energy right. of and the major leagues. Col- and this team, man, Colton Kowser, uh, to me, that's a guy. If you called him up now, he'd probably hit 260. Yeah, he probably he, would. he probably hit 260 with a, with a with a 370 on base percentage. Yeah. the rest of the way, uh, that that's a guy that, to me because I, I saw it in spring, and we we got to get stand on the line. We're running behind, but um, I didn't mean to rhyme. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh. I watched him in spring, and the at-bats that he took, the swing decisions that he took, they they looked far advanced for where he is in his professional game. So it's, uh, it's going to be exciting. I don't, we're not going to see Colton Kowser this year, but it's going to be exciting to see uh, what his career holds for him starting as early as next spring. I want to remind you that today's show is brought to you by the Toyota Tacoma, which comes in a range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. 
Coming up in the show, we're going to have a Stan the Fan Charles joining us here in just a matter of moments. From the Masson All Access podcast at 11 o'clock, Paul Moncano will join the show to talk about all things Orioles and when are we going to see Gunnar Henderson. Uh, we're, going to have, we're going to have Take to Rake uh, later in the show. We'll see if Zach was able to pull out a victory for the third straight week or if I was able to finally get back on the board. Uh, and we are also going to do some Orioles banter. and We're going to talk about are the Orioles good enough to get to the promised land. But before we do that, on the line with us now for his weekly segment, he is Stan the Fan Charles, and he's live on the Battle Around. Stan, good morning. How are you? Thank you, Paul. I'm fine. How are you? I'm doing a lot better after that impressive victory over the Astros last night, Stan. Kyle Bradish goes eight innings of shutout ball on just 96 pitches. How big of a win was it on the road to start the series against the team with the best record in the American League? First of all, I want to thank you for not referring to me as the grand poobah of all things at press box. I appreciate that. Seriously. Fair enough. I'll never do it again. I didn't realize it was, that, it was an issue. All right. All right. Okay. That uh, was some. That was an impressive. That was like an eye-opening uh, performance by uh, Braddock. Um, you know, my solution to every problem that a pitcher has is to put him in the bullpen. And I had had I envisioned Batista, Hall, and Braddock as my big three in next year's bullpen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that performance last night was just, uh, to me, it was off the charts. Really, really great. Yeah, and Bradish, he has a 3.21 ERA in six starts since coming off the injured list. It seems like every everybody in this rotation has taken a huge step forward. And it's not like they were ever pitching that poorly, but what they've all done over the last five, six weeks is really something that to be proud of. It's, I mean, it, go ahead. It's remar- It's remarkable. It really is. I mean, you look. I mean, at- and, and and while the while the pitchers deserve credit. You've got to believe that Chris Holt and his and his analytics people are teaching these guys something. You know, you you always hear them say that they're giving me data. You know, the pitchers say they're giving me data uh, and optimizing what I do well. And uh, you know, I don't quite get the secret sauce, but uh, all I know is at the end of the day, what we're eating when we watch these pitchers, it's just pretty fabulous. Oh, it's, it's been phenomenal. And I, I look at, I look at a guy like Dean Kramer who in July really started to like, yeah, the, the middle part of July really started to scuffle. He's given up three runs, four runs, five runs, every start. And you're like, yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he's back to who we thought he was. And then he comes out in August two and one and four starts with a two, five, nine ERA. He, uh, he goes seven innings against the blue Jays, really fabulous outing against the Red Sox on Sunday. Everybody is pitching and doing their part in this rotation. It's been absolutely fantastic. You know, you know, one of the things about this team, and we can sit here and pick apart, because uh, like, I saw your list of things you want to hit on today, and we can pick apart Tyler Nevin or Vavra, what they're adding to the team right now. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when Stowers hit that home run the other night, right? I, I just happened to catch it out of my eye when he was coming into the dugout. You know who the happiest person for him was? Was Tyler Nevin. Yeah, I and saw that. And a guy that I'm sitting, and I'm sitting there going, wonder what Nevin, you know, thinks that Stowers is starting to get all his playing time and he's not playing. Mm. And it was great. It was just great to see, not to be corny or anything, but that they are really all in each other's corner. Um, 
And I know it's not analytically based, but that that thing that Atlanta used to have when the pitchers were real good, you know, Maddox, Glavin, and Smoltz, and how they each sort of egged the other on because there was this competition. I see that developing with this uh, pitching staff, you know, the starting staff. Yeah, where where one start one yeah. starter feeds off the other, and they want to keep the good vibes yeah. going. I I totally yeah. get that. Now, on the other yeah. hand, Stan, the bullpen, um, if is, since they hit the 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 fifty four games left in the season mark, they have a four oh seven ERA over the last nine games. That's a five forty ERA, um, and that's not when you and that's not factoring in the five unearned runs allowed by Keegan Aiken, where if they had been earned, it would be a six nine nine. ERA. Are you at all concerned about this bullpen and perhaps the fact that they've been overused um, and with how much well, the team is going to need them down the stretch? Yeah, um, there's no question about that. Um, you know, I'm concerned about it because they they lost a really good bullpen arm, at least for 2022 in Jorge Lopez, mm-hmm. and they haven't really replaced that arm. Right. Uh, so, so the depth in there is is a little short right now. Yeah. Yeah, they, they don't, I don't know have... where they're going to I don't know where they're going to pick somebody up right now if there's a waiver move to be had. You know, it's interesting the uh Diamondbacks DFA'd uh Chris Davinsky. Um and if you remember when he burst onto the scene about 5 years ago, Michael Elias was in in Houston, you know. So maybe there's connection there that they can take a quick look at somebody like that. But they, they are a short, an arm short, in my opinion, in the bullpen right now. Stan, what do you make of, of Michael Elias saying yesterday that he hopes D.L. Hope will be one of those September call-ups come uh, September 1st? Is that kind of a weird term for him to use? Because this bullpen is so taxed, well, and they I, need, they need guys have, to throw. Yeah. I haven't been uh, observant of what he's done since they've, quote-unquote, you know, are retraining him to be a bullpen guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, how has he pitched since then? So, pretty well. So his first relief outing, he went two innings. He struck out four, but he gave up two runs, and he walked three. Um, his, okay. nec- his next outing, he went two innings, no hits, no runs, no walks, four strikeouts. He threw 21 of 27 pitches for strikes. Right. So the first one, those, not great. The second one, two. much better. Yeah. And those are, that's it, he's had two outings. Yeah. Yeah, he, I mean, to me, to me, it's an automatic that at this point in time, Either Vavra or Nevin is is gone, and he's up. You know, I mean that that's to me that's a no brainer. Well, almost. they get to add they get to add two players. Well, they to get the to add two players, right? So, so, yeah, no question. He he is he's certainly one of those players. Yeah, now, I, I, I have Henderson, to imagine. Yeah, whether yeah. Henderson's the other one, uh, it would sh- certainly seem you know probable to me. I would have to think that Gunnar Henderson's going to be here by Monday because once you get to September 1st, maybe he helps you, but then he can't help you in the playoffs because he's not on the 40-man. Right. So I would imagine right. that, that, that that Henderson – they don't the minor leagues doesn't play, don't play on Mondays. I'd imagine that the call-up for right. Henderson's on Monday. But I thought that about this week too. So, I mean, right. the, the Orioles know what they're doing better than I do, so we'll just have to see how it goes. Yep. But I have to imagine that's what we're going to see. Now, Stan, we, they, Orioles entered that 54-game stretch with 34 games against – 
winning opponents. We kind of figured mm-hmm. that they needed to get to 88, 89 wins to make the playoffs. 86 is what it was looking like, but with the teams in front of them, the way they've been playing, you probably need 88, 89 wins. They're 10-7 since they hit that mark. That's a 32-win pace for the final 54 games, which would give the Orioles 88 wins. Have they been good enough in your mind to this point? Um, to, to reach 88? Yeah, so basically since the start yeah. of that 54-game stretch, have they been good enough or do they need to get better? Um, well, I think they need to play at, at the level they're playing now and and see where, you know, see where the chips fall. You know, I mean, I think we'd all probably have penciled in like, wow, we're going to Houston. We're gonna, we'll probably lose all three games in Houston. So to me, they're, they're ahead of the, uh, the curve on, on what we would have projected for them. And I think tonight is is rather huge because I don't think I think we'd all agree that the likelihood of them beating Justin Verlander isn't very high tomorrow. Right, especially so a day game if, after if you wanna, game. Yeah. So if you want to win, if you want to win two out of three, this this is the game you got to have tonight, and it's a it's a winnable game. Uh, Arcidi is a pretty good, pretty darn good pitcher. Yeah. But then again. The Dean Kramer that we're throwing out there right now, and maybe buoyed a little bit by what he saw last night yeah. out of Bradish. Um, you know, I'm I'm pretty optimistic we're going to play him tough tonight. You know? Yeah, I, I think that they play him tough all three games. To be honest with you, I, I yeah. wasn't the one who th- who thought that Astor, the Astros were going to sweep. I didn't think the Orioles had a chance okay. to win two out of three. I thought they'd probably go one and two against them, but they yeah, already got that one I, win, which is which right. is huge. You know, you get the one the first win and in now the first we're, game. We're talking. And if we're talking tomorrow morning on the bat around on Sunday, <laughs> we'd probably be saying, "Hey, we've won the first two. I think we can win the third. So, exactly, exactly. Uh, look, str- stranger things have happened. Look, Absolutely. You know, the Orioles swept uh, them in Jim Houston Henneman, last year. Yeah, Jim Henneman has an expression, and I've heard it from other people about a game being a reverse lock. And remember last week when it was what it was Cease against Vote, mm-hmm. and we beat Dylan Cease. Yeah. Well, tomorrow we got the the best pitcher in the league in Verlander, uh, and maybe it's a reverse lock again with both on the hill. Maybe, maybe, like you yeah. said, strange I mean, things have happened. Both is not going to go out there and just hand, you know hand them the game. He's pitching at a very high level. Yeah, yeah. He, he's going to go out there and battle. I think it's going to be a pitcher's duel tomorrow. Yeah. So I, I'm really yep. looking forward to that game. Now, uh, Stan, I have been um, I've been extremely critical. Of Brandon Hyde over the last three weeks, three weeks specifically with his handling of the pitching staff. To me, Stan, you're in August, late August of a pennant race. I feel like you need to be asking your players for a little bit more, right? I feel like you need to mm-hmm. be saying, "Hey, you're at six innings, eighty-six pitches. I need you to give me the seventh inning." You know what I mean? I I, I feel like he needs yep. he needs to be asking. But up until last night, if the starter's name wasn't Jordan Lyles. If that starter was cruising through five to six innings and they were at 80 to 90 pitches, he's not asking them for that extra inning. He's pulling them out. And then you saw it the other day when he used five relievers to get through three innings, which made no sense to me. Um, I yeah. just I feel like he still manages his team like it's April and May rather than August of a pennant race. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, it's an interesting observation. You know, um, I, I tend to side... Look, I've just been here lauding the uh, pitching staff. Right. But, you know, when you have a guy 
that's a, got a for the season has like a six point five ERA. I'm I'm more hesitant to want to push that guy and be greedy about getting that extra inning out of him. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but but I see your side of it. And by the way, while you were talking and asking your question, the other arm we haven't brought up that could help the bullpen in September is Tyler Wells. Yeah, yeah, and that's what they were yeah. saying the other I day. Mean, yeah. Yeah, the um, the idea of him suddenly coming back and being stretched out to start seems like a, a sort of a waste of what his value would be right now. Right. You know, if there was a starter that looked like we go, boy, Watkins has been horrible the last five starts, then you'd say, hey, it would be great to plug Tyler Wells back in. But the area of need right now down the stretch here, um, and I can't believe we're saying that, is, is the bullpen. And boy, the Tyler Wells of July and August last year would certainly be good out of the bullpen. Oh, ab- you know, absolutely! Not to close, not to close the games, but what a dynamic duo that would be uh, going into the ninth inning with, with say Hall and him uh, in the seventh and eighth innings, and uh, Bautista for the ninth. Oh yeah. my gosh, that would that would, that would be huge. Yeah. That, that's that's three yeah. dominant pitchers that you have in the back end of your bullpen for the the playoff push there in September. That yeah. would be absolutely fantastic. I just for for me, and maybe then you can excuse having both only go six innings and he's thrown eighty six pitches right. because no now you've got those that. three guys behind him. So I I, I yeah. totally understand that. Just for me right now, you've got Perez, you've got Perez and Baker as well. And Tate, you yeah, know, to, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so so I I, I I see the point there. Right now that's not yep. that's not the case and I just feel like yep. you know, pulling these starters when they're cruising. Now look, the other day when both went five innings and he had thrown a ton of pitches and he had I think he was at like eighty nine pitches through five innings and he allowed ten right. base runners. If Brandon Hyde had pulled him at that point, I totally get that because he's he's navigated his way through troubled waters and, you know, really dodged a big inning there and, and held them off the board. And then he brought them out for the sixth inning, which uh, again, that's a, I'm okay with that too. Whatever Brandon Hyde did there, I was okay with it. It was clear. The plan was as soon as he lets a base runner on, I'm taking him out. And he happened to do that with two outs there in the sixth inning. So I, that's a start where, okay, pull your starter. But then the start where he's gone, where he's gone six innings, he's allowed two hits, no runs, and he's thrown 86 pitches. That dude needs to be back out there for the seventh inning. Yeah, I, I I hear you, and I had a problem with his use of the bullpen that night in the both game as well. It, yeah. Do you have do you have your score sheet in front of you? Um, I don't, but I remember what or he did. Or at least your memory. Yeah, he, br- he brought Baker, in... Baker came in and pitched to one guy, mm-hmm. and then he immediately went to uh, Tate. Right, and then Tate or, gets... Or he went to Perez or something like that. And I'm going, why if you got to navigate three more innings... Why would you only pitch Baker a third of an inning? I thought that was really crazy. And that's the game. And sure that, enough, we, that's that, the game. Was that, that the next night? No, that was the game that I, that I was talking about, where he used five relievers right. to get through three innings. He used Baker right. for a third of an inning. Uh, Tate yep. comes and in then, in the sixth. And, and, I'm, I'm sorry, in the seventh, he throws eleven pitches, eight strikes. He gets two outs. He did allow the leadoff double, but he gets two outs, and then he pulls him to bring in. Right. Perez to face two right-handed hitters. He walks a guy and gives up a base hit. Now it's a one-run ball game because they they scored a run, and then he yeah. pull, and then he has to pull Perez. And now you're taxing your bullpen when you didn't need to, and then you end up having uh, Felix Bautista come in to get a five-out save, and he throws 26 pitches 
because yep. he had to get a five out save. And then the next day, right. Right. you're kind of in a yeah, situation. I thought, I thought the I thought the handling of Baker that night was terrible. You know, I thought the bullpen in, in general was terrible yeah. that night. The handling of the bullpen in yeah. general that night was terrible. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and and that's the thing. And, and look. I, I, I'm willing to say that maybe we need to give him a little bit more leeway. That we that we need to give Hyde a little bit more leeway because of the fact that this is his first time managing a winning ball club. He hasn't had this opportunity, and he's still new to this. And he's going to learn. He's going to learn how to do this stuff. And not saying that I know better, Stan, but you just I, I, I'm what I'm seeing with I, my I eyes. I hear you. We're, we're saying the same. We're saying the same. Yeah. Now, uh, in the in the off season, Stan, the I think the Orioles. Overall, though, overall, I'll take the guy that's the manager of a team that's got this kind of esprit de corps among, amongst his players. Oh, absolutely. Over a, tacti- over a tactical blunder oh, once in a while. Oh, I take but him over Tony no, La Russa right he now. Is, he, he is clear. There's no question about that. Uh, and I'll bet he urinates better at night than uh, Tony <laughs> does. Um, but I will, I, I will say that, look, he is no Buck Walter in in-game managing of no. his handling of his bullpen. But what we're saying is correct. He really hasn't had these decisions. You know, we used to go into post-game shows with him the last couple of years, and they were always about, you know, how you could get a, get pitchers that could keep you in the game, you know. I mean, we were getting blown out, you know. I think they had 50 or 60 games last year. They lost by five runs or more. Something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, cra- it's crazy how unenjoyable that team the last couple of years was to watch for mm-hmm. us guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now it was background noise parts, for me. Yeah. Yeah. It really was. Really uh, was. No, Stan entering the off season, it seems like the Orioles, they're really thin at first base in their, in their system. Um, the, the catching depth leaves a lot to be desired. They, I think they have their zero and eight in their last eight games in which Robinson Chirinos was the catcher. Um, do you think that the Orioles will go out in this all season and make it a priority to find a backup catcher that isn't an automatic out and, and has a better better defensive skill set and maybe a first baseman that you can plug in if you need to give Mountcastle a day off? Um, I don't, I don't, I don't sort of understand the criticism of Torino's for what he is. You know, I think they've, I think they've um, pumped the brakes a little bit on Rutschman. He's been exceedingly careful about, you know, getting mm-hmm. him some breathing time as a DH. I don't know that, that they'll find anybody much better than Chirinos. Uh, but what I would say is maybe for rock, roster flexibility, you might, on the, over the course of a whole season, want to have somebody that can catch as a third guy that can catch that doesn't allow you that, that somewhat precarious situation when you want a DH Rutschman. And you only got one catcher, you know. Just a quick, uh, I could see, yeah. A quick note here, just regarding the backup catcher situation. Uh, j- yeah. just regarding Spencer Watkins as well. Watkins with Torino's behind the plate has a five eight six ERA, where Rutschman's behind the plate, he has a two zero eight ERA. So basically, a you know near <laughs> that's good stuff. Yeah, that's good stuff. Zach. Three point yeah. eight run difference uh, when Adley Rutschman's behind the plate. So. I think you're looking at, you know, hopefully finding someone better than Torino's, but I don't know. It's it's going to be a tough market. I don't know how many guys are going to want to come here because Adley Rutschman is already right. there and, and, and playing so often. I, and I think I, that that's good stuff. There's no question about it. I would take my chances on somehow working with Torino's 
you know, maybe um, uh, the pitching coach, Chris Holt, and the analytical people, maybe sort of working with him to improve that. Because I'll tell you what, earlier in the season, we were talking about how Chirinos and Ben Boom were doing a phenomenal job defensively at mm-hmm. simply catching the baseball, you know, right. and not letting balls get past them. And I'll still take Chirinos on that, on that, uh, on that angle. But that's a, that's a really interesting number. Now, as far as the backup first baseman, look, there's only so many positions you have on the field. And I think we'll all agree that Gunnar Henderson, whether he comes up by Monday or in 10 days or doesn't come up at all this year, um, that he's going to go into spring training next year with a real solid chance of, of being on this team from yeah. day one. And yeah. I would think that you're looking at your your guy that's – I don't think you just – I don't think Gunnar Henderson needs to be anointed that he's going to be the everyday this or that next year. I think it, I think he would be thrilled to be in the major leagues. And if he has to play 30, 35 games at first base – 25 at third base and 15 at short and DH is another 20 or 30 games, you know, um, I think we'd all be pretty happy at the end and total of that. So I look for Henderson to be sort of that, that Swiss army knife for Brandon Hyde next year. And, and, and that's fair. And you've seen them giving uh, work at first base to, to uh, Rutschman and the Santander, DJ Stewart in the minor leagues. And so, and, and not, yeah. not many, if any teams carry a bench player who's strictly a first baseman. So I would think it would have to be yeah. somebody who can play multiple positions that maybe you would, you go yeah. after in free agency or somebody that's already in house. So that remains yeah. to be seen. Now, before we let you go, Sam, we talked about this last week um, uh, and you, and you spoke out against extending guys so early in their career. Julio Rodriguez signs a massive extension with the Mariners uh, yesterday. Yeah. Uh, and he's the latest in a number of early extensions for players recently. To me, this is the cost of doing business these days, and we know how fans are going to react to this regarding Adley Rutschman. Like, well, the, all these other teams are locking. Why aren't we locking up Adley Rutschman? Is this a situation now where you see that the Orioles are like, okay, this is something that we have to do, or do you think that they still play the waiting game with that? I, it's, that's above my pay grade. Fair because, enough. Because, you know, for, for, a team, for a team that just got... <laughs> Got, just got rid of the Chris Davis albatross around its neck. Yeah. And I understand that that was a higher per annum uh, contract. I just don't, I don't, I don't see that Adley is going to be clamoring for, for his deal right now. You know, so during the off season, um, I, I don't know which way they'll go on this, but I'll, I'll kind of, I'm so impressed with the job that Elias has done. Uh, when you when you give in the fact that we've had the pandemic that set everything back a year, that uh, the time schedule they're on right now is looking pretty good. So whatever they decide, I'll uh, I'll be on board with for right now. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, he's he's earned the benefit of the doubt. That's for sure. That's for sure. I mean, I'm kicking the bucket down the the, the curb. I don't know why the Mariners. I just don't. I don't get that. I understand it's the cost of doing business and. And so on and so forth, but I don't understand the need at the end of your rookie year to tie up that much money in somebody that you're not, you know. Yeah. When 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 you can wait one more year, and you're not a bad guy by doing that. So I don't know, you know. Yeah. Maybe I, I, I'm old fashioned. 
I, 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 it's the way every sport is is trending yeah. these days, Stan. Is that yeah. it's higher money yeah. earlier in your career, so you can get another big contract uh, later down yeah. the line. So, all right, Sam, what yeah. do you have coming up yeah. on Monday? Uh, Monday, we're going to have uh, one of your usual guests, Rich Dubroff, is going to join us at five o'clock uh, to talk Ross with Ross Grimsley and I. And then Wednesday evening, our usual Thursday evening, we're going to have on uh, Rob Ambrose, uh, head coach of Towson University. And in two weeks, September, we're not going to do a show on Labor Day, but on September 12th, it looks like I've got Jim Duquette lined up to come in and talk about this amazing season. All All right. right. Well, we look forward to it, Stan. Uh, Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Talk to you soon, guys. See you. And that was Stan the Fan Charles with his weekly segment. He has two great shows for you every week. Every Monday night, Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with a different guest from the world of baseball. And every Thursday night, Stan and Gary Stein chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. This week, Stan and Ross chatted with Orioles legend Scotty McGregor while Stan and Gary called up with Sarah Ellison from the Ravens Vault podcast. Find these shows under the videos tab at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or at pressboxonline.com slash video. As Stan just said, he and Ross are back for another great show on Monday when they will talk to Rich Dubroff from BaltimoreBaseball.com. Zach, you asked him to sound off on today. Yeah, I do. Um, I, I t- I've talked a lot in my sounding off segments about the growth of the game and kind of where I want baseball to go in the next few years. And Major League Baseball announced something yesterday that I was pretty excited about. Um, the fact that beginning on November 11th uh, this year in 2022, Major League Baseball is going to be sending a team to South Korea to tour around the country and play exhibition games against Korean baseball teams that are in that country. Um, it's their first trip since 1922, uh, where Casey Stangle, Wait Hoyt, and Herb Pennock all participated in that tour and, and did a tour in South Korea. And I believe they were in China and Japan as well. So they did a lot of Asian countries. Um, this is, to me... I think one of the best ways to grow the game, because if you look at what the NBA has done especially, the NBA has gone to all parts of Europe and Asia and and, and really so many places and tried to spread the game as much as possible. And the NBA, by by all accounts, has become an international sport, a sport that people around the world are consistently watching. And baseball is already very popular in South Korea and a a lot of Asia, especially because of guys like Ichiro Suzuki and the the number of great players that have come out of there in, in recent years. But you had Barnstorm tours that guys like Babe Ruth and uh, and Lou Gehrig did in the early 1920s, and those were very important early on for spreading baseball around the world and kind of getting the people to play the game and know how to play the game You know, early on in the 1920s. And I think it's even more important to keep doing that now and keep spreading the game and making this an international thing. Because baseball is currently an international thing, but Major League Baseball, the league itself, is not really in any capacity. So I, I think they need to follow in the uh, the NBA's footsteps and make it as international a sport as possible. And, you know, not only, you know, grow the game in South Korea, but make people more aware of what the game, uh, you know, revolves around the major leagues itself, not only just the Korean baseball leagues they have over there currently. So spread the, you know, not only the sport of baseball, but the league of major league baseball. And I think this, this tour that they're going to do starting November 11th, and I'm not sure exactly who is going to be on the team. Um, I'm assuming players probably that don't participate in the playoffs, but I could be wrong. I know, Um, I, I know that, um, 
back in the like several years ago when Barry Bonds was still playing, he mm-hmm. was part of like an um, uh, of a major league all star team that went over and played games in yeah. Japan and stuff like that. Well, I'm sure it's going to be sort of similar to the World Baseball Classic, where guys are invited and they can either you know accept the invite or not. Mm-hmm. And I assume they'll get some Asian players, hopefully from the league currently right now, like Shohei Otani, um, especially since he probably won't be in the playoffs to go over there and do this kind of thing. It's just so good for the game and so good for the league itself. I think you know Major League Baseball is kind of strictly American and Canadian at the moment and not so much European and Asian. I think it could be really important to get those those countries involved. Yeah, no, it, it, um, and um, um, Latin. And Latin too, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah but I, I, think, I think so far Major League Baseball is becoming more and more of a, it, of a it, Latin it, it's more, entity. It, it's more of a, of a Western hemisphere. Yes, game, right. Rather than Eastern hemisphere. Because there is yeah. so much you know, international scouting down there uh, in the Dominican Republic and Cuba and all these places where they're pulling these incredible players out of right now. and it, it, it's, it's becoming bigger and bigger down there. And I, I don't think the international scouting presence is near what really what it needs to be in Asia right now. There's so many good players. You look at guys like Otani that just come over and dominate Major League Baseball. So maybe this also sparks you know a better international scouting presence over there that'd be really yeah, interesting look it's certainly not bad for the game to no, go, to go, to go play great. in these things and uh, to me um you, you're giving players a chance to be an ambassador for major league baseball yeah, and exactly. to get more eyes on what your product is and therefore you have people you might get people that want to play who are talents that maybe they never would have thought to play exactly. baseball otherwise yeah. i i think it's only good for the game so that's i'm i'm on board with you there zach very Nicely done. Today's uh, segment of uh, Sounding Off with Zach Goodman is brought to you by the latest edition of PressBox, which is available now. On the cover, Bo Smolka profiles Ravens tight end Mark Andrews' path to NFL stardom from his late decision to play the sport full-time through having to overcome type 1 diabetes and more. Also inside, we introduce you to football players at Maryland, Navy, Towson, and Morgan as the season gets underway and everything you need to know for betting football this season, PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. we got to catch a break when we come back from Mass and All Access Podcast. He is Paul Moncano, next on The Bat Around. Summer is in full swing, and so is the summer seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash fried pork belly with their popular Korean number two sauce, and try their South Carolina barbecue chicken, or back by popular demand, the lobster roll with grilled corn. Also try the irresistible crab and lobster fries, or the very berry salad with chicken. And for dessert, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jacks. This menu will be going, going gone. Find Find out more and get your order in at glorydaysgrill.com. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. What's up, everyone? This is Tyus Bowser, and I'm excited to tell you that I'm back with season two of the Tyus Bowser Show in partnership with Pressbox and Great Ace Memorabilia. Join us on Tuesday nights throughout the season as I'll be heading all over town with my special guests. And of course, our co hosts, Glenn and Rita. Where's Rita and Glenn? What is it? I look forward to meeting you guys and talking a little bit about football and a lot about life. And if you happen to miss the show, you can now catch a replay Friday nights on 1057 The Fan. Get all of your details for the Ties Bowser Show right now at pressboxonline.com slash Bowser. 
Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. I'm Griffin Bass, and I have the extraordinary, mind-blowing, and life-affirming pleasure of being the new producer for the absolute funniest, smartest, and most handsome sports host in all of Baltimore. Wait a second. Glenn, I'm working for you, not Jeremy Kahn. If you're not listening to Glenn Clark Radio, here's what you're missing. He's Coach Kevin Willard. Glenn, thanks for having me. Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Rashad Bateman. Thank you, I appreciate it. He is outfielder Cedric Mullins. Thank you guys for having me. Trey Mancini. Thanks for having me on, guys. Mr. Marcus Williams, who's now with us. Man, I appreciate it. Happy to be on. Ravens kicker Justin Tucker. Thanks for having me. Adley Rutschman. Absolutely, thanks for having me on. John Angelos. Thanks a lot, good to be with you. Ryan Mountcastle. Thanks for having me on, guys. Marlon Humphrey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Talia Tungavailoa. Thank you guys for having me. He is J.K. Dobbins. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. The great Ray Lewis. Always good to be home. He is Mr. Cal Ripken Jr. Good chatting with you. Watch Glenn Clark Radio at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and listen live at pressboxonline.com slash radio or anytime on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point. Boulevard. Right, we are back here live on the bat around. Uh, today's show, once again, brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. It is the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast where you can take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house with more money paid out than anyone around. Make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. We are due to have Paul Moncano uh, from the Mass and All Access podcast on the show today at 11. Uh, we're having a little bit of difficulty getting in contact with Paul right now. Um, Zach is feverishly working the phone system over there trying to get Paul on the line. Um, and we were, we were talking about the Julio Rodriguez massive extension that he signed. And when I first saw it, it said it was 14 years for $210 million with incentives that could get up to $450 million. And then I think I saw something last night that's maybe closer to 12 years. Um, either way, if he's only accepting $15 million a year uh, for 14 years, he really sold himself short on that contract, I feel like. Um the, the team wins out on that. And I get that if he plays at an MVP level, he can make a, t- a ton of money. It, it could end up being over $30 million a year. Um, 
I don't know. I, I I've never really seen a contract like that before you know, in Major League Baseball. Uh, my initial reaction was the same thing. I've never really seen a contract like this one. Um, you're looking at not only really ten years, but way longer than that. It's structured very weird. It could end up being eight years, uh, based on a few things that. I, I'm not sure anybody really knows how it works. Jeff Passan put out a lot of information about it yesterday, but it could end up being like eight years, 10 years, 12 years, 14 years. This contract is all over the place as far as you know how it works, and it's it's certainly one of the more unique contracts I've ever seen given out. And man, if, if, if Julio Rodriguez is on this team for 14 years, we're talking 2036, and he will be you know 35 years old, which is still pretty you know young as far as baseball goes these days. So it's weird. It's certainly a weird extension. Yeah. I don't know if it's really going to set the tone for future extensions. I'm not sure. I think it's an outlier, really. I get signing like an eight-year contract, mm-hmm. right? You sign an eighteen, an eight-year contract where you're making $15 million yeah. a year, and then at 29 years old, you get to go get another contract. Right. And if you're the player that, they, that we think you are, that right. we think that you, that you are and that you're going to become... Mm-hmm. Then when you get, when you turn twenty nine years old and you enter free agency again, then you get another contract where you're making thirty million dollars a year yeah. now for the next six years. That's understandable. Fourteen yeah. years for it's a 15, long time for fifteen million a year. And I and again I get I get the incentives, but chances are he's not going to get close to that four hundred fifty million dollar no. mark. He might he'll probably fall somewhere in the middle. And we know right? that these long term contracts are really only good for less than half. Generally, that's and it may be different in Julio Rodriguez's case, given that you know he's one of the already best players in baseball. And the fact that he's only 21 years old, Julio Rodriguez could be you know good through his age 32 season. I I don't know, but you look at Albert Pujols, who was sort of in a similar situation when he signed with the Angels, and that contract worked out for maybe less than half, um, if really at all. So these long-term contracts, they're really volatile, and the the guys that you sign, you have to make sure that they're going to be around for a while these days, because like you said, that's that's the business. Um, you know, long-term extensions are kind of of key right now if you're if you're a franchise and you almost have to give them out. But I do see this as sort of a risk for the Mariners. I, I saw a lot of people saying, man, the Mariners fleeced Julio Rodriguez, and I'm going, I think it's the opposite. If yeah. I'm Julio Rodriguez, I have life basically lifetime security now um, that I'm making 15-plus million a year. So... Yeah, I, I, I agreed with you, and then I realized what I was agreeing with. No, I, I think that the Mariners fleeced Julio Rodriguez. Uh, I that, mean, uh, okay, uh, okay. Yeah, I, I mean, you, you, he sold himself for, for, from from now for the next five seasons. Okay, five, five six seasons. Yeah, he. That's a great deal for him. But then when he's twenty seven years old and he's a forty forty guy in the major leagues, and he's a perennial all star, and he's making fifteen million dollars a year. Uh, now look with the incentives. If he's a forty forty guy and make he's a printing all star, sure. he's probably gonna be making thirty million dollars. But year. let me put it this way: What if by age twenty nine, let's say eight years from now, Julio Rodriguez is a two thirty hitter that gets on base at a three ten clip, and you know the defense is, is starting to, to fall down That's a little a bit? That's a huge what if. That's not gonna happen. Well, but it's also what if the same might become forty forty, right? Like I, there's no guarantees one way or the other. The, the, okay, there's no guarantees, mm-hmm. right? But if anybody in this league is going to be a 40-40 guy, it's going to be Julio Rodriguez. He definitely could he's a, be. He's a 20-20 sure. guy at age 21 in his rookie year. My point is there's so much, uh, I, I guess volatility is the right word for it, in these long-term contracts. It, it can go bad so quickly. And we saw that And we saw that with Chris Davis. Yeah. Um, Julio Rodriguez is 
a better player, no doubt. Yeah, th- that's that's a guy at, at 29 years old. You're probably looking more like Manny Machado than you are okay. Chris Davis. Yeah, it's just it's all big what if for me, and I think yeah. that the Mariners are in a really good spot to give out what if deals right now. I think they are because they really don't have a huge payroll. Um, not at this point. I mean, they paid Robbie Ray a good amount. And they they paid some other guys uh, a decent amount. But look, I I really think they're in a good spot for it. I, this is the kind of time where you need to do it. And you know, if, if this works out for them, then I'll I'll say I'm wrong. Yeah, I, I've just I, I've never seen something like this in Major League Baseball. Usually, it's six years, 120 million dollars. That's your contract. You're getting every penny yeah. of that. This is 14 years, 210 million dollars, and yeah. you can make more than double that if you play like an MVP. Uh, it, to me, like that's that's insane to me. Fair yeah. enough. That, that's insane. Um, no luck with Paul Moncano. We we generally I, like, I can give him one more try. Um, we'll do the payoff pitch around the okay. league. While I'm doing that, you can give him a couple more tries, and then we'll see where we fall after that. So now it is time for the payoff pitch around the league. Kyle Bradish spun eight innings of shutout baseball, and Ramona Rios hit a two-run homer in the sixth as the Orioles took down the AL best Houston Astros in Houston two to nothing. Joe Adele had four hits, two of which were home runs, and Mike Trout added a homer of his own to lead the Angels to a 12-0 thrashing of the Blue Jays. Xander Bogarts homered and drove in three, and the Red Sox bullpen held on after a furious eighth inning four-run rally by the Rays as Boston overcame Tampa Bay nine 9-8. Shane Bieber tossed seven innings of two-run ball with nine strikeouts and no walks, but the Guardians went 1-for-15 with runners in scoring position as the Seattle Mariners pull out an extra inning victory 3-2 to over the Guardians. Aaron Judge hit a three-run homer as 49th to back an 11 strikeout, 7 in the third inning performance by Garrett Cole to lead the Yankees past the A's 3-2. Mookie Betts homered twice and drove in four as part of a four-hit performance to lead the Dodgers over the Marlins 10-6 in 10 innings. Mike Miner allowed two runs over sol- seven solid frames as the Reds took care of the Nationals 7-3. The Phillies welcomed Bryce Harper back to their lineup, and he responded with a two-run single in his first at-bat back off the I.L. to help push the fighting Phils past the Pirates 7-4. Mark Kana dro- doubled twice and drove in three to help the Mets squeak one out against the Rockies 7-6. The Rangers... Uh, uh, Six through nine hitters combined to go eight for 15 with two home runs, six RBIs, and five runs scored. And the Tigers' ninth inning rally fell just short as Texas held on against Detroit, seven to six. Shortstop Ha-Sung Kim homered, doubled, and drove in five to help the Padres to a 13-5 victory over the Royals. Carlos Correa and Gary Sanchez each homered and drove in two to back Joe Ryan's six shutout innings and a Twins 9-0 dismantling of the Giants. Josh Rojas drove in three, and Dalton Varsho homered as part of his three-hit performance in an Arizona 7-2 victory over the reeling White Sox. Johnny Quito allowed seven runs in five innings to take the loss. Ian Happ homered twice, including a game-winning two-run blast in the top of the 10th as the Cubs took down the Brewers 4-3. And finally, every Braves member of the starting lineup, except for Austin Riley, who walked three times, recorded at least one hit with William Contreras playing the enforcer as he tallied four hits and three ribeye stakes in an Atlanta 11-4 <laughs> win over the Cardinals. Zach, what is on tap for us today? All right, so 307 at the Rogers Center. We got the Angels and the Blue Jays. Hopefully for the Orioles, the Angels can pull one out. That would be really important for them. Shohei Otani versus Alec Manoa. Really good pitching matchup there at 307. The Rays and the Red Sox, the lefty Jeffrey Springs versus the lefty Rich Hill, 410 at Fenway Park. Tyler Bede and Kyle Gibson, Pirates and Phillies, 605 in Philadelphia. Dodgers at Marlins in Miami. Dustin May versus Sandy Alcantara, 610 at Lone Depot Park. Sandy Alcantara looks to you know, keep having an incredible year. He's been unreal this year. The Reds, they'll start Luis Sessa against the Nationals' Paolo Espino, 705 at Nationals Park. 
Tigers and the Rangers, Eduardo Rodriguez versus the veteran Dallas Keuchel, who still is getting a chance even though he has an 8-3, 8-5-3 ERA this year, 7-5 at Globe Life Field. Your Baltimore Orioles will start Dean Kramer at 7-10 at Minute Maid Park against Jose Arquiti and the Houston Astros. The Orioles look for Game 2 win in this series. The Rockies and the Mets, Kyle Friedland, the lefty versus the lefty David Peterson, 7-10 in the in Queens. Uh, Padres at Royals, Hugh Darvish versus Daniel Lynch, 7-10 at Coffin Stadium in Kansas City. D-backs and White Sox, Merrill Kelly versus Davis Martin, 7-10 at Guaranteed Rate Field, Chicago. Cubs at Brewers, in Milwaukee, Drew Smiley, the lefty versus Brandon Woodruff, who hasn't had quite as good of a year as he did last year, but still been really good for the Brewers. 7-10 at American Family Field. Giants at Twins, Alex Cobb, the former Oriole versus the former Yankee, Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray putting together a quiet good year. 3-10 ERA this year. 7-15 target field in Minnesota. The Braves and the Cardinals. The Braves will throw Charlie Morton versus Jordan Montgomery, the former Yankee, again, 7-15 at Bush Stadium. The Yankees, they'll play 9-07 at Oakland Coliseum against the Oakland Athletics. Domingo Herman against Adam Aller. Finally, last game of the night, Guardians and Mariners, 10-10 T-Mobile Park. Zach Plesak versus Luis Castillo, who since being traded to the Mariners has been really, really good. So that's the games we got on tap today. Um, definitely got some good pitching matchups. Definitely uh, Otani versus Alec Manoa. Definitely one to watch especially for Orioles fans, since we hope that the Angels can pull out the win against the Blue Jays. Yeah, they, they managed to pull off the victory last night. Tampa Bay uh, lost to Boston as well yesterday. Yeah. Uh, so the Orioles, with that win, two teams in front of them um, lost. Yeah. And they still didn't gain any ground. Right. Because Seattle lost, because Seattle won. And so the Orioles... Walked off, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they're still two and a half games out despite the victory and despite reaching a season high seven games above 500. So I'm looking at this and I'm looking at the White Sox, right? And they are 63 and 63. They've gone three and seven in their last 10 games. They lost, they've lost two straight. Um, this is a team that to me is so underachieving mm-hmm. right now. And I know they've had a lot of injured guys. Yeah. Tony Larusa has got to be fired after the, after the season. I can't imagine he's still the, he's still the manager of this ball club. The next seat year. is burning hot right now. Yeah, and, and I don't mean I'm not saying you got to fire. Him. I'm saying like I can't imagine a scenario in which they don't. The I can't only, either. The only thing that could, that, that could possibly stop this from happening is if they somehow get red hot. Mm-hmm. Um, they win thirty of their last thirty six games and they yeah. win the division. It's going to take a lot. It's a hard road for them, as it is for the Orioles, but I think it's a much harder road for the White Sox. They're in a really bad position. But the Guardians, you know, they've been they've been sitting on top for a little while now, and the Twins have started to, to falter a little bit. The Twins, I think it's looking less and less likely like they're going to be anything. So they could get hot, maybe sneak in. But, I, again, they're going to have to win the division. And right now, what, what are they, five games behind the Guardians at the moment? Four. Or, they're, four, they're four, four games. Four games behind. So... It's it's an uphill battle, and the Guardians have been playing okay as the, of late. The Guardians have lost two straight. They're five and five. Five and five, right? They're, yeah. they're only a half game better than the Orioles, right? And it speaks to that if the Orioles were in the AL Central, they would be probably in first or second place at this point. So, oh, I think I think they'd be in first place. Yeah, I mean, the, based on the fact that they're playing the Tigers and the Royals, you know, as much as they would have, that would be that would be predictable. But. Yeah, it's going to be an uphill battle for the White Sox. And, and right, they, they've been injured a lot, and Tony La Russa certainly has done them no favors. But you still have guys like Luis Robert who are really carrying the team at the moment. He's having an unbelievable year, uh, unsurprisingly, I guess. But you've got to get guys like Giolito going. Uh, Giolito's been, been really, frankly, terrible this year compared to what he was just two years ago. Um, and you know Dylan Cease really can't carry the whole rotation on his back. So 
you know, I, I was happy to see the Orioles go in and get two against them the other day. That was really important. And mm-hmm. two games that I said before, you almost have to win. Like, those are those are can't-lose games. And because they're really just a few guys carrying that team on their back at this point. So it's an uphill battle for them, uh, you know, yeah. right now. Now, I, I look at – and I'm looking around the league. Mm-hmm. It's the payoff pitch around the league. Sure. Um, the Phillies, they get Bryce Harper back. Yeah. Uh, two-run single in, the, in, his fir- in the first inning of the day. Huge. He was only, only hit of the game. But it just goes to show – how much they need Bryce yeah, Harper. They do. Um, the Phillies right now, they are currently nine and a half games back of the Mets in the NL East. Yeah. They're, they're uh, in third place behind the Braves. They're seven and a half back of the Braves. And in the wild card standings, they are the number two wild card team, seven and a half back of the Braves, and two and a half games ahead of the Padres. Yeah. The Phillies, I've looked at this team and thought this should be a playoff team yeah. for, for a number of years now, basically since Bryce Harper got there in 2019. Uh, is this a situation where they're finally realizing their potential? Do you think they're going to make the playoffs this year, or are they still lacking something? I, you know, I was talking to a, a friend who's a Phillies fan before the season started, and he said, you know, we really don't have the pitching, and that's kind of where I, I started forming my opinions from that they really don't have the starting pitching to do it. Then they went out and got Noah Syndergaard, and I did a sounding off on it that I really like that move, and so far he has a three six ERA through four starts for them. He's been pretty good. Mm-hmm. I think that's a huge move for them, and I, I, I still think that's one of the things that can put them over the top is a guy like Noah Syndergaard, a, a veteran who's been in the playoffs before, who you know can lead the team, and he's pitched in the AL, you know the NL East for the, the greater part of his career. So I think that move is huge for them. It's just really, for me, the consistency in their starting pitching going forward. And getting Bryce Harper back is massive. I think they'll gain, you know, it's probably two or three games on where they are right now just because of Bryce Harper alone. He's that good and makes that big of a difference. And he's, right. he's just so impactful in every area of the game. He's a great defender. He's you, a great you, hitter. You can make an argument that he's the best player in the game. He you, really could you, be, you, yeah. You, you could make that argument and, and what he means to his team. Right. I mean, that's why he's the most valuable player last right. year. Um, I'm a big Bryce Harper guy. Oh, me too. I love, uh, Bryce, Harper. I, I love Bryce Harper. I just I love the way he plays his game. I, I I love what he adds to his team. I I think he's got that. I think he's got the pulse of the city. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, I I love what what he's done in, in Philly, and he's become like so. We saw it in 2015 when he won NL MVP. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Bless you. Thank you. We saw just how good he was that yeah. year and how good he could be. Yeah, and then. He kind of became a 250 to 270 mm-hmm. hitter. Still drove in runs, still got on base at a high clip. Yeah. But then he signs that big contract where he kind of like sold himself short in the average annual value yeah. to have the security of being in one place for the next 13 years, right? And that's in Philly. And he's become the 16-year-old kid that was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Right. You know, the, the guy who was already in Legends, black and white Legends commercials as a yeah. rookie in 2012. Yeah. Like, this is a, a guy who is still young, like 29, 30 years sure. old. This is a guy who is now a multiple-time MVP. He hits over 300. Yeah. He'll hit over 30 home runs. He'll drive in over 100. And he'll get on base at like a 470 clip. He's one of those guys that was destined for stardom. Yeah. Just based on, you know, his his childhood and the way that he was considered this this phenom. Like Tiger Woods was. Just mm-hmm. considered a phenom as a teenager. And then comes up and actually does it. And he's, you know, continued to. I don't know if you remember when he debuted against the uh, the Dodgers, I believe it was. He was just, the energy was crazy. And, that, mm-hmm. and what he brought to the Nationals. And I think that energy kind of faded as time went on. I don't really think he was, you know, once 2018 rolled around. And like you said, he had some bad years. I don't I don't think the energy was there and, for him. And to say he had bad years is a misnomer. Well, bad years for him. Bad years yeah. for him. Bad years for what you expect him to be. But yeah. he was still a dangerous player. I'll, I'll never yeah. forget. 
his opening day in his sophomore season, mm-hmm. homering in each of his first two at bats, and yeah. I was like, "This dude is the best player on the planet." And yeah. then he and then he faltered, uh, only to win NL MVP in 2015. Yeah. Um, what he means to that team, the type of player that he is. Uh, uh, and it's cool to see somebody be exactly what you were told they were going to be. Right. You know right. what I mean? You see so many times how many how, how these players get hyped. Whether yeah. it was Kerry Wood or Mark Pryor yeah. or you name, the, you name the guy. And I don't mean to name two Cubs pitchers and single them out, but I just remember how well, hyped both those guys were, and then they couldn't stay on the field. Sure, you look at a guy like Gavin Lux, and Gavin Lux, mm-hmm. I mean, go look at his numbers from the minors. They're unreal. Like, the guy was almost a 400 hitter in the minors, and you know, in his last year before he came up to the majors, and so far he's been okay. Like, it it happens so often that we get guys who we expect Jer- to do so much more Jer- than they are. Jared Kellenick. Uh, yeah, Jared, uh, oh, jo- great example. Yeah. Joe, Joe Adele, Michael A. Taylor. Yeah. Um, and then, who, who's the guy? Mickey Moniak. Mickey Moniak, First sure. overall pick for the Phillies a few years yeah. back. I mean, th- there's a ton of guys who you're told are going to be great, yeah. and then they aren't. Uh, you can even potentially put Wander Franco in that because like he came out look he's only played a few months in major league baseball mm-hmm. and he's still a really young kid but he's a guy who was he wasn't hitting over 300 when he got hurt this year and he got hurt and he started to come back and then yeah. he reaggravated the injury and now he probably won't play again this year unless it's right. in the playoffs right uh, and that's not to say that he's not an incredible talent not to say he's not he's not one of the best players on the planet, but his, his career is not off to a good start. Yeah, getting injured as much as he has already is yeah, definitely it, not a, a great. And, start. and it's not like and he was like a two seventy hitter. Yeah. last year, which is which is good. Uh, it's uh, is it number one prospect? Uh, maybe not, but right, but but, uh, but that also just goes to show you how difficult Major League yeah. Baseball is, and, and we still think he's going to be a player. To be fair to him, Vlad Guerrero, I believe, hit like two fifty in his first season in the majors. So uh, junior, I mean, not not senior. No, right, right. I I think Vladdy had a good year his first year. He was okay, and, and, and then and then he was like really uh, he he really got overweight. Let's let's look it up for a second. The, the power numbers were pretty low uh, for for junior in his in his first year, and then he came out. I believe the second year and, and hit a lot more home runs. So yeah, he, he he hit 272 in okay. 2019 with 15 home runs in yeah. 123 games, and then had like 40 in 2021, I believe. Right, well, and then in 2020 they were talking about how he's right. out of shape year, and, yeah. that, and blah blah blah, and he hit nine home runs. I don't even really count 2020. And yeah. he had a 329 on base percentage. Then he comes out in 2021, 311, 401, 601 slash line with yeah. 1002 OPS <laughs> and 48 home runs to lead the majors. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, so these players, they, they, they can get off the slow starts and they can turn it around, which is also maybe why we, maybe why the Orioles are pumping the brakes a little bit on a guy like Gunnar Henderson, you know? Sure. Uh, because, and, and I was, um, Glenn Clark on, on the radio, on his show on 105.7 last, last Sunday, read one of my tweets and mm-hmm. um, said, you know, and we were talking about Gunnar Henderson and he said, I don't know, he's like, if you're bringing up Gunnar Henderson to be a part of this, that's one thing. If you're bringing up Gunnar Henderson to put the team on his back, that's yeah. a lot of pressure on a 21-year-old. Right. And, I, and, I, and I get that. So that's, um, I, I, maybe that's why you're pumping the brakes a little bit. You know, I don't expect yeah. Gunnar Henderson to come up here and set the world on fire. Right. I just, want, I just think he's going to take much more competitive at-bats and give you a higher yeah. offensive upside than somebody like a roof net Odor. And that's not to hate on Odor. I'm done with that. <laughs> I just feel like that's a guy who can come in and give you more offensive upside. But yeah, we'll, we'll get to that at, at another time. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the Padres. Okay. Um, the Padres, they are the third wild card team. They're two and a half games ahead of Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Milwaukee six games back of the Cardinals in the NL Central. The Padres, they traded for Juan Soto and... Um, Brandon Drury, Josh Hader, Josh Hader, and Josh Bell. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and they've been playing okay, I guess. They're four and six in their last ten. They're sixty nine and fifty eight. And Juan Soto's missed the last three games with yeah. a back injury, and there was an off day in between. Yeah. Couple that with the fact that Fernando Tatis got himself hasn't played at all this year and won't because he got himself suspended eighty games, so he's going to miss the beginning of next year. And then had a too. sponsor drop him last night. And had, yeah, had, had a had Adidas drop him last night. Yeah. Um, the Padres, man. Uh, I feel like like Bob Melvin's keeping that team together. He's a, like if 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 um yeah. what was the name? Jace Tingler was yeah, that? If it? Jace Tingler yeah. was still managing this team, they probably finished below five hundred mm-hmm. again. Um, but they got to pick it up. I I feel like, and I get it that they're in the division with the Dodgers and the Giants aren't going away. Well, the Giants, where are the Giants? I don't even. Oh, they're sixty one and sixty three, so they are going away. Yeah, Gi- Giants are not really in it at the moment. Yeah. but the Padres, you know, you say they're playing okay, I guess, and that's kind of the the problem. That's the problem, right? Like that's that's what they've been for the last few years. They've had all this talent, and they're still playing okay. You know, they're not playing great baseball, and, and Monsoto's been pretty good, I believe, for them so far. He's been pretty impactful, but, you know, you're, you're missing, really, arguably, your second-best player um, with, with Fernando Tatis, unless you say Manny's, Manny's that guy. But regardless, you're missing literally one of the biggest pieces of this team, and, and, and a guy who is a middle-of-the-order bat night in, night out, and, and you know, is, is probably a 4-5 or five war player. So that's big, and I get that, and and maybe that's why they're not playing their best baseball, and they're playing okay. Yeah. So so Manny's at two ninety seven, twenty two homers, seventy six RBIs, yeah. and an eight eighty eight OPS. So he's having himself a, a a good season. He had sure. he had the, that that awful ankle injury that looked a lot worse yeah. than it was. And rumor has it he's still hurt. Okay. R- rumor has it that he's still hurt. Um. So right above him. In OPS, he's eleventh in the in, the, in okay. the majors in OPS at eight eighty eight. Right above him at tenth is Juan Soto. Yeah, uh, Soto two fifty two two twenty three homers, fifty runs batted in. With the Padres, he is two eighty six four thirty eight okay. four sixty with an eight ninety eight OPS, yeah. and he has two home runs and four RBIs in eighteen games. Okay, so the I power mean, to, hasn't really been there. Uh, but the, the, the run production hasn't been there, but right. he's, but. I mean, he still gets on base. You know what I mean? Right. He, he has his hits. He still get, He has 17 walks to just 11 strikeouts since getting there. I mean, he's had 108 walks and just 73 strikeouts right. on the year. Um, Nobody expects him to hit 50 home runs. I mean, the, uh, he's not that guy. He's right. a on-base guy, and the, the plate presence and you know the, the discipline and the, the zone knowledge is up there with Adley Rutschman. That's, mm-hmm. that's the kind of guy he is, and that's what he does. And that's why I love Juan Soto so much, because I'm big into these contact on-base guys um, rather than the guys who just go out there and hit 40 Do, home runs. Does Juan Soto, uh, maybe he's a victim of the Bryce Harper thing. Do you think that maybe he's buying into his own hype early on in his career, and he maybe kinda, and and he kind of needs uh, come to Jesus moment? You know what I mean? Where it's, where like he yeah. realizes, you know what, I'm good, but I need to humble myself, mm-hmm. t- type of thing. I I think Juan Soto probably has already had that realization because of how good he has been for the past few years. I mean, you look at 2020, he was arguably the best player in baseball. 2021, you can maybe make that argument again. The, the second Sho- half, certainly Sho- he was the best player. Shohei Otani maybe he was better, but, but he had a, he was in the first half and, and Soto really shined in the second half. Right. So maybe he's already had that realization, but it for a guy who's, what, 22 years old, that's something that... 23. 23 years old is probably something that's harder and doesn't come as easily for, for a guy that would be 22 rather or 23 rather than 29 or 30. It's just a, right. it's a maturity and the difference in, in years. Um, and this is coming from someone who's 21, so I guess I can't speak on it. But, but 
no, but but we, we and that's what I'm saying. We we saw that with Bryce Harper. Maybe right. it's just a matter of maturing. Yeah, I, I think uh, Bryce Harper once he signed that contract in Philly, that was the maturity for me. That was when he he turned the page and said, okay, you know what I did as a kid is kind of behind me, and now I'm you know in kind of a different maturity level with Philly, and this is a new new Bryce Harper in a, in a sense. Now the Mariners, they've been they weren't they they had a pretty down April and May. Yeah. Come June, they start playing out of their minds. And this is a team that's looking like it's going to be in the playoffs and yeah. end that 22-season drought. Or 21-season <laughs> drought. Yeah. Um, so I look at them. Do they have what it takes to make noise in the playoffs? That's a great question. I, I think it's really going to come down to the starting pitching there, too. Um, just the inconsistency and, and what what has been there just hasn't really been what they need. Um, you know, a guy like Chris Flexen, who I'm, I'm a big Chris Flexen fan. He hasn't been quite as good as he should be. Um, but, you know, I think the lineup's part to blame, too. I mean, they're, they're missing, they've missed some guys uh, to injury. And I don't think guys like Ian Suarez and Jesse Winker have been quite as good as they would have wanted. Um, and again, Julio Rodriguez has kind of carried the team on his back, I think, to a, to a certain degree. And, um, you know, guys like Cal Rowley have been pretty decent. But point is, over here in, in, you know, a broader spectrum, they just really need to pitch better and be more consistent at the plate. And I, I think they'll make the playoffs. I, I would be surprised if they didn't at this point. Um, you know, hopefully it's not in, I guess, in place of the Orioles, but I, I would be surprised if they didn't. I, I think they've they've got what it takes. And, and Julio Rodriguez has just been playing so well they've out of his mind. They've got what it takes. <laughs> I don't know that song at all. But it's um, Van Halen. Van Halen? Oh, I'm not a Van uh, It's Van Hagar. Not, okay. So tell me why can't this be love? Doesn't ring a bell. That was beautiful, right? So I, I hope I get like a, what's, that, a, what's a radio equivalent of an ESPY? Uh, I, mean, oh, I mean of an Emmy. Grammy? Is no, it the Grammys? Uh, that, that's a recording artist, like a well, radio talk show. Radio talk mm. show. What's the radio equivalent of an Emmy? No idea. Like I, I don't know. I, I have no idea. I think I could <laughs> win one for that for that Sammy Hagar segment. Anyway, really. Moving on. Um, what do you What do you think? Do the, do the Mariners have the 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 look, power? I, I, I think that their lineup can be really good, and I also think their lineup can go into in, into these deep because there's holes it's not perfect across the board yeah Uh, i think the pitching is good enough i i think that they're that they're playing on momentum right now and i think that they're playing so well because they started to buy in and they've been playing so well for so long that's one of those things where and and they were good last year they they were really good last year i think that they that they're going to get to the playoffs Maybe they win a wild card series, but I don't think they win in the in the division series. Mm-hmm. I, I think they probably lose in the division series to a team like Houston. Okay. Um, I just I, I I'm not sure that they are. I think just like the Orioles, yeah. getting to the playoffs is the achievement right. for the year. Right. But for the Orioles, finishing the season with a winning record is the achievement, mm-hmm. and getting to the playoffs is a gravy on top. For yeah. the Mariners, getting to the playoffs is the achievement, and then right. getting to the to the LCS would be the gravy on top. Right. I think when rebuilds start off, the question is always, what's the end goal? And the end goal is always a World Series, of right. course. But when do you measure? How do you measure success in a rebuild? Is always one of the questions. And I think for the Brewers, some I was talking about this with someone, and they said, well, the Brewers have failed. They didn't win a World Series. The rebuild that they did, what retool, rebuild, whatever you want to call it, it, it failed. And I'm saying, well. No, they made the playoffs pretty consistently for about a three or four year stretch, and they, they might make it again this year. I see. To me, that's that's a win right there. That's me saying that's success. That's doing what you wanted to do. You got your team back in contention. Winning a World Series is very hard. Mm-hmm. One team does it per year, and you know getting to the World Series would be nice. And the Brewers haven't done that yet, obviously. But 
it, it's for the Mariners. I think it's the exact same thing. Where how are you measuring the success of what they've been able to do and and, and rebuild this team? And I think if they make the playoffs this year, that that shows it that what they did is successful. And yeah. guys like George Kirby and you know Marco Gonzalez and Robbie Ray are you know are all really you know good investments for them and and things they um, you know they've had success with. Yeah, and. The Mariners, they're they're on the upward trend. Right, you feel like they're only going to get better. Right. Um, with the Brewers, I disagree with you. I, I, they they have been in contention for a good while. Yeah. Right, and, and that's great. But to me, it's like the Cincinnati Bengals prior to last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the Andy Dalton Cincinnati Bengals, where they're getting to the playoffs every year yeah. and they're losing in the first round. The Brewers don't even have an LCS. To show True. to True. show for their their playoff contention. At some point, as a fan, it's like, yeah, we're back in the playoffs, but it's smoke and mirrors, and we're right. not getting out of the, the division series, or maybe we don't get out of the wild card game right. or now wild card series. For me, getting to the playoffs is nice until all you do is get to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Then it's it's like, all right, if you're not winning a World Series, then what are we even doing? If you're not right. if you're not it's, even getting you're not even getting to the round before the World Series, then what are we doing? For the Mariners, because of how last season finished. <coughs> Where it came down to the second to last game of the year, they thought they still had a chance, and then before they even played their last game, they yeah. knew they were out. Um, whereas, so it's like they were this close last year. This year, it's getting. You, you're supposed to be in the playoffs. You made all these moves in the off season. Julio Rodriguez debuts. You should get to the playoffs this year, mm-hmm. and and that the longest playoff drought in professional sports, which is by the way unreal. Like yeah. that they've been out of this for 21 years, and. Yeah. It's almost we use the term rebuild. Have they been rebuilding for twenty one years? Because because no. well, of course not. But that's that's not possible, obviously. But because you know different players are coming in and out. But the fact that the you know the current rebuild that they're in and and the the graduates of it like uh, Julio Rodriguez are finally being successful. That's really a, a testament to what they've you know been able to do in these past few years and kind of turn around uh, the franchise because twenty one straight seasons that's a long time. Like that is yeah. that is. It's unbelievable is the best word to use for it. And it just shows that they had probably pretty inept player development, pretty inept scouting throughout these <laughs> all these years, and they just failed to do it for, for year on, upon year. Yeah, and it's not like they were terrible. They just were kind of treading water for a really long and time. And in 2020 and 21 as well, they were close. They yeah. weren't in it, but they got close. And, and I just remember watching the Mariners and them making noise in the middle of the season. People were like, oh, is this the year that they get to the playoffs? Yeah. And then they just fell apart in September yeah. and, and didn't make it. So um, I think this is the year that they... But maybe they fall apart in September and the Orioles <laughs> make it over them. I, 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 I'd, yeah. be, I'd be front row for that. Um, and then finally, before we get to our... our um, second break here I want to talk a little bit about the Yankees uh, because the Yankees were they were in a terrible stretch they, I think they had lost something like 14 of 18 yeah now they've won five straight games and it started with a win against the Blue Jays and they took two from the Mets uh, and now they've won two straight against the Oakland Athletics Mets series huge statement to yeah. go in the, I mean that's it's the subway series important one and they went in there but won both and that was huge and now they have uh, the last two games against the Athletics, and then they go and they play the Angels. So th- this this winning streak could hit six, seven. It could hit ten games. Could it could hit ten games? But then, when when the Yankees were on pace to win like 121 games, I knew they weren't that good. Yeah, right. I, I thought that they were a second place team to start this season, mm-hmm. and then they kind of hit a snag. And I knew that they weren't as bad as that four and fourteen stretch. Yeah. Um, who are the Yankees? 
Are they a legitimate World Series contender to you? Yes, but then I look at the the previous history um, where we look at you know, 2019, 2018, all these other years where they've been very good as well. And they've been right there. And if you had asked me that question back in those years, I would have said yes at this point in the season as well. Um, so they, they've been consistently bad in the playoffs. I, they, they haven't been able to get it done. They haven't been in the World Series for a long time. And it's, I, I think the pitching has always kind of been the problem for them me, these me past too. five, six years. Um, you know, you look at a guy like Luis Severino, he comes up and he's one of the best starters in baseball. And then he's hurt for a very long time. And, and he comes back this year, and now he's hurt again. Right, he's hurt again. And you look at Domingo Herman, and he's had some issues off the field that we're not going to get into. And it's just the the lack of consistent pitching. Garrett Cole hasn't been that good as of late. He was stellar last night. He was but, stellar last night, but the, the couple starts before that, he wasn't very good at all. Um, it, it's it's a tough place to pitch, and I get that. That's It's a tiny ballpark with fans that will tear your head off if you do anything <laughs> slightly Look at Joey Gallo's numbers for the Yankees, wrong. and then look, look, right. look at his numbers for the it's, Dodgers. New York is a really high-pressure place and a tough place to play. Randy and Johnson crumbled under the pressure. Randy Johnson, York. sure. I mean, you, you the guys that... You know, or like Mariano Rivera and the great players, Andy Pettit. There, we'll leave out Jeter. Um, nah, G- Jeter's a great player, but well, the guys who really have found their name and made and had you know huge success as a Yankee are outliers because there are a lot of guys, there are a lot of great players who come in there and falter because they can't mm-hmm. handle the pressure of it. And I think we're seeing that kind of across their starting rotation now. Nestor Cortez is injured, mm-hmm. so to me, it's just kind of. I'm questioning whether they're going to be able to have enough pitching down the stretch and if these guys are going to be able to handle the pressure down the stretch of what it's like to pitch in New York. And, you know, they're going to win the division. No doubt about that. No doubt. But can they really go far in the playoffs? I'm skeptical the, the, of that. The, 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 the problem there uh, with, the, with regards to the playoffs is, and, and in the regular season for that matter, they have never figured out a way to beat the Astros. That's true. They've yeah. never figured they out don't. a way to beat the Astros. And we, we see it time and time again, Aroldis Chapman yeah. standing on the mound as the Astros are walking them all. This could be the year, though, because I something tells me, and I think we saw a little bit of it last night with, with the Orioles and the Astros, that the Astros aren't that. They're a great team, don't get me wrong, but I think they're feeding off a somewhat weak division yeah. with, the, with the A's and the Angels. I don't know if they're as good as they have been in previous years. Like 2019, they were in the World Series. They were excellent. 2017, they won the World Series. Obviously, they were excellent. I don't think they're as close to as strong well, the, the, as those two teams. Their players are getting older. Yeah. I mean, Yuli Gurriel is not the same player. I, no. mean, I mean, he's 38 years old, no. which is crazy to me that he's 38 years old. It is crazy. He, he yeah. started his major league career in his 30s. Late, right. Um, and then you look at Jose Altuve, who's, yeah. what, 33, 34 now? Yeah, he's getting up there. Um, Alex Bregman hasn't been the same player for a couple of years. No. They don't have Carlos Correa anymore. Michael Jordan, Brantley's hurt. Yeah, Jordan Alvarez is... Um, their best player yeah. right now, and Kyle Tucker, not the same player he was last year. Right. Uh, they they have a good team. Their pitching's really good. Yeah. Um, but they aren't as you're right. They're they're not the same Astros team now. When yeah. they get to the playoffs, they they seem to turn it on. You saw them go. What was it? Twenty nine and thirty one in the yeah. twenty in the twenty twenty season. Yeah. And then they were a few outs away from going to the World Series. Right. You know, uh, under five hundred. So this is uh. They have that playoff pedigree, and I think right. that that really matters once you get there. Having been there, done that, yeah. know what it, knowing what it takes to get to the promised land, right. I think that's what kind of puts the Astros over the top there. we got to catch our, our second break. Uh, when we come back in, it's going to be Orioles banter. I uh, just want to remind you that today's show is brought to you by... It's brought to you by... 
Weekend at Bookies. Every other Thursday at 11.40, you can tune in to Weekend at Bookies as Andrew Steck and Alloy Sports' Brad Cronthal help make you some money for the weekend. Uh, it's brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. You can listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio and watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. So come win some money with us on Weekend at Bookies every Thursday here for PressBox Sports. We are every other Thursday, excuse me. We're going to catch our second break when we come back in. Orioles banter. The 2022 Birdland Summer Music Series presented by Miller Lite continues on Saturday, September 10th with the Struts post-game concert. After the O's take on the Boston Red Sox, stay to watch the Struts perform live from the infield. Concert admission is open to all fans who attend the game with the option to add special on-field access for just $25. With hit singles like Kiss This and Could've Been Me, this is one Saturday night at the yard you can't miss. Buy now at Orioles.com music. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Bo Smolka profiles Ravens tight end Mark Andrews' path to NFL stardom from his late decision to play the sport full-time through having to overcome type 1 diabetes and more. Also, inside, we introduce you to football players at Maryland, Navy, Towson, and Morgan State. And we give you everything you need to know for betting football this season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily cover of demos, ravens, and terps at PressBoxOnline.com. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich, hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Swagger is a daily fantasy sports site created for sports fans who want some skin in the game and a real shot at winning. Forget plus-minus odds, Swagger uses points for a better way to understand probabilities. If you're tired of losing because of one bad pick, with Swagger, you don't need to be perfect to win. You just create a lineup of 4 to 10 simple player props and score points for the ones you get right. So you can be half right and all right with Swagger. Swagger offers the most player props and biggest payouts of any DFS site as much as 50 times your buy-in. Plus, you can play all the major pro sports, including your favorite local team, if you're ready to play, visit playwithswagger.com slash pressbox to sign up and Swagger will give you $10 free to try them out. Plus, they'll match your first deposit 100% up to 100 bucks. It's free money to play with Swagger. Swagger, daily fantasy for all fankind. Playwithswagger.com slash pressbox. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point. Boulevard. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning at 1140. Fendel Sportsbook Assistant GM Leon Twyman and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and offer you a few winners. And every other Thursday at 1140, tune in for Weekend at Bookies as Andrew Stecka and Alloy Sports Brad Cronthal help make you some money for the weekend. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday and Weekend at Bookies every other Thursday. 
Thursday, brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. All right, welcome back to the Bat Around. The Bat Around today is brought to you by PressBox's Glenn Clark Radio, which is the definitive place to find the best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. Watch the show every weekend from 10 to noon at youtube.com slash pressboxonline or facebook.com slash pressboxsports. Or if you're not the visual type, you can listen to pressboxonline.com slash radio with podcasts available on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. You never know who might pop up on GCR. This week, the guys caught up with White Sox slugger Gavin Sheets, Orioles prospects Judd Fabian and Chase McDermott, as well as Navy football coach Ken Niamatololo and more. Find those interviews now in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in Review feature right now at PressBoxOnline.com. All right, it's time for Orioles banter here on the Bat Around. And what I want to talk about is, are the Orioles good enough, Zach? To get to the playoffs, self worth are the are the Orioles good enough? Uh, are the right? Are they are they good enough to make this run into the playoffs? Mm-hmm. They are ten and seven since they hit the third the, the final third of the season, mm-hmm. which is a thirty two win pace over yeah. those fifty four games, which would put them at eighty eight wins and what is that seventy eight eighty eight and sixty eight? Would that be eighty eight yeah, and sixty eight? Sounds about right. Ah, uh, no, 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 58, 88 and 58. No, 88 and right? 78. It's 88 and 78. 78. Okay. Yeah. Would it be? Oh yeah. You're probably right. I don't know. No, that's wow. We sound really We're bad. We're awful at math. 80, you know, 88 and 74. <laughs> They'd be 88 and 74. There it is. 88 and 74, which would, which would be a, not just a night. You, you put my nice mind season. in a literal pretzel right there. Like yeah. I, I was not I don't thinking know clearly. Why. <laughs> I, I'm usually really good at mental math. My brain's a little fried today, I guess. Mm. Weird night last night okay. um, oh. at the restaurant. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Um, but anyway, so 88 wins should get them into the playoffs. Yeah. Especially when you figure there's a four-game series coming up between the Rays and the Blue Jays at the yeah. end of next week, I believe. I look at this lineup, and I don't know that it's deep enough. I certainly know the bench The bench isn't deep enough. No. I think the bullpen is taxed. The starting rotation is actually the thing I have the most confidence in right now because they've been, they've been, they've been performing at such a high level for such a long time yeah. now that you have to give them the, the benefit of the doubt. We're talking about players that you could call up, and you know, you're going to be calling up. I would imagine they're calling up Gunnar Henderson. You as, would imagine. As, as soon as, I thought he was coming up this past Tuesday. Mm-hmm. When I look at it now... Because, A, he's already under the threshold yeah. of games played to, to maintain rookie status. Yeah. But they're worried about the 138 bats, maybe. But I think yeah. I think if you call him up this week, this coming week, you're not worried about that anymore. He's not going to get 138 bats in the last 30 games of the year, 33 games of the year. Right. Um, and you're not going to play him all 33 games. You're going to probably end up playing him in, I don't know what, like, like 29 or 30 of them. Yeah, the, the Swiss Army knife analogy by Stan was interesting. I hadn't really mm-hmm. considered that because I think when you think of Gunnar Henderson, he's going to come up and play every day, but that's probably not the realistic case. No, he's going to play every day. I, I think he'll play they're every day, gonna, but maybe not, not, maybe not at the day. same position. Right. I, I think that's maybe more what he means. And I, I think that's an interesting thing because you do have guys that go door that he, Brandon Hyde, is going to want to get him in the lineup. We know that. And you have, of course, Arias and Mateo, who are really tough to take out. Uh, Taron Vavre, you've got to find a spot for him somewhere. So, he will play different positions. We'll probably see him at first base a little bit, which would be cool and kind of mm-hmm. interesting, especially since Ryan Malcastle is in a slump that he 
doesn't seem to be breaking out of. So, you know, I, I you, you've got to think he's coming up soon, though. Like, it, it's got to be within the next week. And this yeah, is, he, he, he's got to come up. It, if he's coming up, it's got to be next week. Right. It's got to be this this coming week because if you call him up on September 1st... He's not going to be a playoff guy. He, right. He's not a playoff right. guy, right? And you're kind of showing your ass there because right. now you're calling up a guy... To, and you're telling your fans, we're calling him up to get a look at him, not because right. we think he can help us make the Well, it, it all revolves around the question, are the Orioles good enough? And, and to answer that, I would say no. I don't think they currently are. Which means that if they went to the playoffs and they added Gunnar Henderson after September 1st, they still wouldn't be good enough. Mm-hmm. Maybe Gunnar Henderson makes you good enough, or at least close to it, if he comes out and is the Gunnar Henderson we expect him to be, which is getting on base a lot and hitting for power and playing decent defense at third base. That's the Gunnar Henderson we expect. And... You know, expectations, like Glenn said that one time, you, you can't expect a guy like this to carry the team on his back. But it, it, it took all the all those rookies this year. No, mm-hmm. no rookies hit the ground running. Right. Right. Um, Bobby Witt was hitting right. well below two twenty for the for the uh, first or first month or two of the season. At least, right. Torkelson, I don't even know what's happened with. I believe he's Torkelson. just been in AAA for the the remainder of the year. Really, he's they sent him down. I I, I believe he has. Yeah. I didn't realize he got sent down, but. Um, Torkelson got sent down. Julio Rodriguez didn't really take off till mid to late May, if not later. Rutschman took a few weeks to get to get his feet under him. So it's yeah. not like I, I don't think anybody should expect Gunnar Henderson to get called up and immediately be an impact player. Right. Um, but I, I think the the one person that expects that is Gunnar Henderson. Yeah, Torkelson, by the way, hasn't played since July 16th, so he's been in AAA since then, which is a long time at this point. Which is crazy, because that bat was so is so special. It is. And it just shows that they probably called him... I mean, he only spent one year in the minors. Yeah. They probably called him up too soon. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I, I I have a hard time believing that this bullpen can piece it together. I agree. For, for the rest of the way. I, I Brian Baker pitches way too much. Way too much. And not uh, all uh, that effectively. The, 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 the stuff is there, but he he has no command. Yeah. And uh, Joey Crable, people have been really up in arms about Joey Crable. I think for the most part, Joey Crable's done his job. Yeah, I think, he has. I, I think that the times, uh, aside from that game two Wednesdays ago against the Blue Jays where he was just yeah. awful, when he came into that game on um, Friday yeah. against, uh, not, was it Friday? Or maybe it was the next day against the Cubs. He did, it, what game was it where he came in? Oh yeah, it was, it was that game against the Cubs. Okay. He came in and he did his job. Yeah. He got the final out of the sixth inning. And then he came out, and he got all three outs in the seventh inning. Mm-hmm. And then, for some reason, Hyde brings him back out in the eighth. I think he's one of the forgettable yet consistent guys yeah, he, on this uh, roster. He's mostly, in my opinion, done his job yeah. this year. Um, Nick Vespi, I don't think he's gotten the right opportunity. And, no. and he's been put in situations where like he gets brought in, and he takes that loss against the— or, or he didn't take the loss, but he gives up the game-winning hit against the Red Sox. Yeah. Because he's brought in to face a lefty that hits lefties at the three twenty clip. That's not his fault, right? The the Jorge Lopez thing. I think that the Orioles sold high on him. Yeah, because he's like blown a few saves there in in Minnesota. The ERA, the WHIP, everything is higher. It's been nowhere close in, in, Min- right, in yeah. Minnesota, and he's still pitching to a three ERA there. But it's not the one seven six, that, uh, six, six seven, seven that he, yeah. they had in Baltimore that was below one until right. July. Yeah, right. So. The problem is you don't have that that setup man. You'd right. like to think that Dylan Tate would be that guy, but High consistently brings him in in the sixth and seventh innings. Or Perez, uh, yeah. or, or and Perez, Perez to me has lefty specialists written all over. He him. does. Um, so I, I look at Keegan Aiken has not been the same pitcher that he, that he was the no. first two months of the year. 
Uh, and then for some reason, we keep seeing guys like Rico Garcia and Lewis Head, and it's just like yeah. Uh, they they claim Phoenix Sanders and then immediately send him to Phoenix AAA. Phoenix Sanders. Um, and I don't know that, that he'll be anything noteworthy, but uh, I, th- this bullpen... Now, what Stan said I think is very interesting. If in September your bullpen consists of your last three guys are mm-hmm. Hall, Wells, and Bautista, that's formidable. That's That's electric. And now you're looking at a situation where... You have a bullpen that has Dylan Tate, CNL Perez, Felix Bautista, Tyler Wells, and um, DL Hall, and maybe Grayson Rodriguez is coming back. The yep. thing about Grayson Rodriguez, and I know I'm just kind of this is stream of consciousness going on okay. here right now. I'm just but, rambling, but 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 Grayson Rodriguez, he just threw a simulated game. He's yeah. about to get on a game mound. Yeah. Do you expect him to help you for the playoffs? Is this a, because I don't think he can. has to be on your forty man? By Wednesday, right? He has to be on your forty man by Wednesday. Otherwise, he can't help. He can help you get there, well, unless he's replacing an injured player. Yeah. So who? Let's who, look at it this way. Let's look at it this way. It, Grayson Rodriguez is arguably the most important person in the minor leagues right now for the Orioles going forward. Yeah. He will make the biggest difference because of what they have currently pitching-wise. They, mm-hmm. they don't have the future they have uh, pitching-wise they, that they have outfield-wise or infield-wise even. Grayson Rodriguez would help his team most likely if he came up. But as you said before, the Orioles are not expected to win the World Series, right? They're mm-hmm. not. I mean, that even if they make the playoffs, that's where the success comes from, and that's what you'd be happy about. They made the playoffs. That's great. The rebuild's way ahead of schedule. Let's go for it next year. Let's go win the World Series next year, right? To me, you're you're taking a guy like Grayson Rodriguez, and you're I, I think almost risking it a little bit by doing that, and you're you're trying to achieve something that you know is improbable to achieve with a guy that you probably should just save till next year, if that made any sense at all. I, it's just, there's a risk factor that I'm not sure you need to to take at this point right. with, with, with a guy like that when you know you're probably not going to win the World Series this year. Right, and, and, and I get that. And the, the, the fan in you wants to see Grace Rodriguez right. pitch at the big league level and help the Orioles win this year. Yeah. Uh, but the realist in you has to say, all right, maybe is this it is... smart? Right. Right, maybe this is a guy who, getting him back on any mound at all, is a win. Is a win. Yeah. And let's send him down to Norfolk and let him end yeah. the season strong and then bring him in starting next year as a key piece in your starting rotation from day one. And, right. I, and I totally get that line of thinking. It's the smart line of thinking, and it's probably the line of thinking that the Orioles have. Mm-hmm. I think when Michael Elias talks about him pitching on a game mound, he's very um, particular about saying he's going to get on a game mound. Yeah. He's not saying he's going to pitch in the majors. And, 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 and real quick... The people who think that he hurt his lap because he wasn't in the majors, who think that <laughs> if he had been called up to the ma- to the majors before that last start, not how it works, ladies and that, gentlemen, that he wouldn't have torn his lap. Like 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 your body doesn't just say, <laughs> "Oh, I'm in the majors now. I'm not going to hurt myself." Yeah, I, like like that's <laughs> not that's not how it works. If he, if he did it in that game, chances are it was a, it was something that was weak was gonna and, and it was going to happen eventually. So. Uh, that's an argument. I'm it's not, a I'm frustrating narrative, and it's one of the narratives. There's a a lot of uh, people who are, I guess, staunchly anti-Elias, and there are people that love to, to try to bring down Mike Elias for everything he does. And I'm not say, saying one way or the other that you know I'm I'm pro-Elias, anti-Elias because of that. But that's a weird narrative to bring against him, and yeah. and not one that it, it's it, none of this is Grace Rodriguez's fault either. I mean, the guy, you know, he did everything he could to be in the majors. 
and he probably would have torn the lat if he had been there. Well, he, yeah. he would have torn the lat if yeah. he was there, too. So it, it's, it makes no difference. Uh, uh, and Mike Elias was as upset about, uh, about it as anybody. I mean, he actually said, this sucks. Yeah. You know, th- like literally that was going to be Grayson Rodriguez's last start. It was. And Norfolk. He was coming up, and he'd be here right now if not for that lat injury. That was his last start at AAA. Yeah. And Elias was like, and he basically says much. He goes, the timing of this really sucks. Yeah. He was about to be a really big part of our team. Right. And you know, you know what I mean? So the Orioles, uh, and getting back to the conversation at hand, which is, are the Orioles good enough? Mullins has been, and, and, and let's go through this a little bit. Mullins has been pretty steady yep. for, for the last couple of months. He still has his struggles against left-handed pitching. That's something he's really going to need to work at in the offseason if he's not traded. And yeah. that's not, that's not, uh, we talked about it last year too. That's something that could happen, but that's a conversation for another Orioles banter. Um, Rutschman, he's as steady as they come, man. He's yeah. uh, Anthony Santander. He goes in these little slumps where he just pops everything up and he's swinging at everything, yeah. kind of like last night. But then he'll do what he did two nights ago, where he's hitting the two-run homer and he's getting the game-winning uh, yeah. line drive in 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 extra innings. Santander is a piece uh, that I think is going to help the Orioles down the stretch. He's been yeah. much better the second half. He was in like two thirty-eight at the All-Star break, and he's been yeah. way better. Way better the second half. Mountcastle, man, he and Hayes are like. We talked about this earlier. They've got to be better. They've got to be better. It, 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 right. If they play in September the way they did in June, the Orioles are going to the playoffs. Yeah, the Orioles are going to the playoffs. And you know what? I Austin Hayes is a September guy. He always performs he well is. in September, and he has that um, pedigree. I guess would be the word for it. That he he always or that's not the right word for it. But he has the history of doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and coming out in September and you know lighting the world on fire. And I think we're already seeing glimpses. I've seen a few hits. I mean, he had one last night that was, I believe, an opposite field base hit. And there's been a few things. The two-run homer and the loss to the, the White homer. Sox. There's been a few flashes. Maybe he breaks out in September. Mm-hmm. But I almost feel like for both Malcastle and Hayes, I'm starting to lose hope every time they're at the plate because they just haven't really been able to put any impactful hits together. I mean, these guys aren't driving in runs. They are chasing at everything under the sun. And it's, it's becoming a, a big problem when these are two of your biggest run producers. And... It, you know, revolving around the question, are the Orioles good enough? It's one of the questions are, you know, is is Hayes good enough? Is Mountcastle good enough? That all plays into the equation and, big time. And and Hayes, with the way that they're playing him now, he's not he's not hitting third or fourth for your team. No, they have like him seventh. batting seventh, yeah. sixth or seventh now. Mountcastle consistently hits third or fourth for you, and actually he consistently hits fourth for you now every every day. He's got to be better. And look, the powers come back. You know, he was at 14 yeah. home runs for a long time. He's got four home runs over the last couple of weeks. That's still not good enough. Yeah. You know, it not it's not good enough for what you need to get to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Ruth Neto Dorn, not good enough. The vibes can only carry you so far. Yeah. Ramona Rias, if the, if the Ramona Rias that we saw last night and that we saw for the better part of July, is that guy moving forward? Yeah, that's a piece for you. Jorge Mateo, people are in love with him, and I love him too. Mm-hmm. I am not convinced that the bat can play over the long haul. I'm just, well, I, I haven't been convinced because it's, to me, it's too small of a sample size. I, I have not, I am not convinced yet that Jorge Mateo, Jorge's, Jorge Mateo's bat is here to stay. Mm-hmm. I'm not convinced of that. I'm not either. I mean, I, the on-base percentage is certainly concerning. Um, I, it, you know, if he was batting 230 but had an on-base percentage of 350, it would be totally fine. But mm-hmm. that's not the case. Um, it's much closer to 300 on-base. So 
that's definitely one of the things. And I think the Orioles are going to look at that. And they're, they're a team that, you know, weighs so heavily on base percentage and, and looks at that um, as one of the top stats when they're, when they're evaluating players. So that's definitely one of the things they're going to take into consideration. Um, the, the glove is great. The energy he brings, the speed on the bases. He's an impactful player, and he's, I think, second in, or third in war right now behind Rutschman and, and Cedric Mullins. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, as a player, he's very good, but there is a a sort of dead spot in your lineup when Mateo is is hitting a lot of times. So were you, you watching the game like the full game last night? Yes, I did. Okay, yeah. so they I, I heard them talking about him switch hitting. I did not hear that. They, I, I heard them talking about him switch hmm. hitting. I, I I do change on and off with with mute and everything, so I don't necessarily uh, listen to all of it. But it, you know, it kind of depends on what I'm doing. But gotcha. I did not hear that. Uh, I heard them talking about it in uh, later in the game yesterday and maybe because they want to be able to use that speed coming out of the left-handed batter's box and get down the line I, faster um I, I don't I don't know I don't know I, I I've never heard of a guy being a right-handed hitter or a left-handed hitter and then becoming a switch hitter <laughs> right. at the major league level that that would be odd to me um but anyway um I so if say you call up Gunner Mm-hmm. If you call up Gunner, he's going to play just about every day. Probably, yeah. He's going to play a lot of third base. He's going to play some second and some first, yeah. in, in my opinion. The Orioles then can call up another position player and another pitcher yeah. on September 1st. What are the chances that position player is Jordan Westberg? And then if you call up Jordan Westberg, and now you have Westberg and Henderson playing at second and third just about every day, and yeah. you have Arias and Odor on your bench... Or then you have Henderson and Westberg on your bench on a given yeah. day. It makes your team deeper, right? It does. I, I think but I don't think it's going to happen, but... Yeah, it's really tough because you have so many infielders already. And Michael Elias keeps saying that, you know, look, we have a lot of infielders playing really well right now. And he may be right, but also consider that Rugnit Odor hasn't been playing good baseball for the past two months. Although, although I, should, I, I shouldn't say that because his on-base percentage is, is like over 360. Uh, since August 9th, so there's something. But he's been taking a lot better at bats. He's been he has. taking a lot deeper right, at bats. Right, right. But you know, the the fact is, is that he's not going anywhere with this team, and you would have to get rid of Rugnetador if you brought up Jordan Westberg because there's just too much of a well, of not, a it's blockade not, in, it's the, not in that, that infield. You have to get rid of him. I don't think they're going to like DFA him. I, I mean, who um, else but, would you? But, but I think he's going to move to a bench role. Tyler Nevin would go for Gunnar Henderson. That's kind of my my expectation. Yeah. But who would go for Jordan Westberg then? Who would go for Jordan Westberg? Well, I guess I guess no one has to because they uh, can you, just add you, him. You, you can but take, I mean, Arauz, you can take him off the forty man. You could, you could. Um, to call, but honestly, it would probably end up being a guy like Jordan Arauz, or maybe they call up DJ <laughs> Stewart to play some first base. Oh no! Please, uh, but he's please not don't on, do this but, to us. But DJ's not on the forty man either. Right, right. Um, it, 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 maybe a, Phoenix it, Sanders is DFA'd after they claim. It. Who knows? Yeah, it's it, it, it's a great question. Um, and I would have to have the forty man. In sure. front of me and be able to, and look at all forty members. They're the guys you look at and you're like, well, they're not going anywhere. Please don't subject us to the DJ Stewart experience once more. It's I, going to happen. Oh no! Please don't. Do I have. That. I really. Please have. don't do okay, that. Okay. Okay. It's not going to happen, but I would not be shocked if it did. Michael Elias, this is my letter to you. <laughs> Please do not do that. <laughs> it, it, it's going to be interesting. There's there's some roster moves coming, maybe as early as Monday mm-hmm. this coming week. There, you're going to see two new players on the roster. Yeah. By Wednesday, uh, no, by Thursday, um, and I think you could see Gunner as early as Monday. Um, but again, I've been wrong this entire time. Rock was wrong last week. He I said was wrong. I, I didn't think Gunner was coming up at all this year. Yeah. So, so uh, the th- the funny thing is, I, we have been right on this show yeah. about a lot of things. Yeah. 
the one thing I've been consistently wrong about is when they're calling up prospects. Yeah. I've been consistently wrong about when they're calling up prospects. But a lot of other stuff we've been right about, so we can pat ourselves on the back. We knew about Hanser <laughs> Alberto and Renato Nunez we before did. anybody wanted to accept it. We did. Um, a year before anyone yeah, wanted to yeah, accept exactly. it. Yeah, um, exactly. Good segment. Good segment. That was um, – it's, it's going to be interesting. The Orioles, uh, they have about five weeks left in the season, and they've got uh, – They've got a lot of winning they got to do if they want to make the playoffs, and hopefully they have some players coming this week that are going to help them yeah. do that for sure. All right, we're going to catch our final break. want to remind you that today's show is brought to you by, well, you know what? Orioles Banter was brought to you by uh, Simply the Bets. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning at 1140. Uh, Fandle Sportsbook General Manager, uh, Leon Twyman and Vicens Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all the info you need and offer you a few winners. So come, wi- so come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday. Brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen to PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. we got to catch a final break. When we come back in, take to rake to close things out here on the Battle Round. Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. Summer is in full swing, and so is the summer seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash fried pork belly with their popular Korean number two sauce, and try their South Carolina barbecue chicken, or back by popular demand, the lobster roll with grilled corn. Also try the irresistible crab and lobster fries, or the very berry salad with chicken. And for dessert, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jacks. This menu will be going, going gone. Find out more and get your order in at glorydaysgrill.com. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. That first sip. That first bite. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. Hey, Birdland. Arrive early at the yard on Saturday, September 3rd, when the first 15,000 fans 15 and over will receive the first ever Orioles soccer jersey presented by Pepsi. Don't miss out on this brand new crossover kit before the Orioles clash with the Oakland A's at 7.05 at the ballpark that forever changed baseball. What better way to celebrate Labor Day weekend than with your favorite home team on a Saturday night? Great seating options are available, and tickets start as low as $15 at Orioles.com slash tickets. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Bo Smolka profiles Ravens tight end Mark Andrews' path to NFL stardom, from his late decision to play the sport full-time through having to overcome type 1 diabetes and more. Also, inside, we introduce you to football players at Maryland, Navy, Towson, and Morgan State, and we give you everything you need to know for betting football this season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily cover 
version of Demos, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Swagger is a daily fantasy sports site created for sports fans who want some skin in the game and a real shot at winning. Forget plus-minus odds, Swagger uses points for a better way to understand probabilities. If you're tired of losing because of one bad pick, with Swagger, you don't need to be perfect to win. You just create a lineup of 4-10 to 10 simple player props and score points for the ones you get right. So you can be half right and all right with Swagger. Swagger offers the most player props and biggest payouts of any DFS site as much as 50 times your buy-in. Plus, you can play all the major pro sports, including your favorite local teams. If you're ready to play, visit playwithswagger.com pressbox to sign up and Swagger will give you $10 free to try them out. Plus, they'll match your first deposit 100% up to 100 bucks. It's free money to play with Swagger. Swagger, daily fantasy for all fankind. Playwithswagger.com slash pressbox. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. All right, we're going to do this in real time because I got distracted and forgot to... like. So we can't... Um, we can't figure out take to rake until after the Orioles game on Friday night, and I don't like to. Um, I don't. I don't like to um, do. I don't like to show Zach take to rake until we get to the yeah. show because of the fact that. And you can turn the music off now. Um, I don't, we're just fading it slowly, fa- letting it play. Slowly. Love the music. Um, I don't. I don't like to tell Zach because I like it to be a surprise to both of us when we do the show. But the the thing is, I usually do take to rake during the last break, and I got. Uh, sometimes I get distracted, mm-hmm. and I forgot <laughs> to do it during the uh, third break. Um, who do we pick? That's the first. Yeah. So who do we pick? I know I picked uh, Tony Taters. I okay. think you picked Jorge Mateo. I thought I went Adley. Or, or no, no, Mateo was the the previous. Oh no, week. You, you no, you did go. You did take Adley. Yeah. twice yeah. in three weeks. Um, I don't think he had a monster um, week or anything. So we're gonna we're gonna go look at this. I think right Tony Taters might have you have you the win. I'm not sure. Uh, I th- I think he might have. Let's uh let's take a look. Right. Okay. Okay. So this is this is great radio, by the way. By the way, it, we're, our, the, our our segment depends on how on on the speed of my Wi-Fi. I on, here, I'll, I'll work on uh, who who you got going over there. Uh, well, here I'll just I'll just take a look at it right now. Okay. Game logs. All right. So the last show was on the twentieth. So Tony Taters went zero for three that day. Okay. But then he went three for five, one for four, zero for four, two for five, zero for four. So on the week, he went. Six for 22. 22. Six for 22 with two doubles. I'm sorry. One double. Okay. Uh, a home run and one, two, five RBIs. And okay. Fi- and five RBIs. So six for 22. That's what? That's just below, just above 250. That's something like a, like 280, yeah. right? Um, Sounds about right. Yeah. Why don't I just do this? Adley Rutschman. Here, I, I just pulled up Adley Rutschman. You said 20th was Saturday. So he yeah. went, uh, he had exactly three, four, five hits, uh, one double. So he was five for 10 and then nine, nine yeah, 22. Right. So he was he was five for 22. So Adley was so, not, not so much this better. So this is the easiest way to do it. Okay, we're just going to go to Anthony Santander's game logs. 
for on baseball reference. Hang on. Okay. We're going to go to go to that. Uh, it, 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 he had more hits, but Santander won. I'm going to tell you right now. You, you think Santander won? It was 5 for 22 versus 6 for 22 and Adley had only one double um and no home runs. So, and he only and he, he walked he walked four times. All but. right. So, Santander went 6 for 25. Okay. He went 6 for 25, a double, a home run, five RBIs, one walk, five strikeouts. He slashed uh 240, 269, 400, 669. I feel like he had a better a better week than that, but apparently not. Um, so now we're going to go back to Adley Rutschman. Five for twenty-two. Um, right. He had one double. He had four walks and no home runs. Yeah, it's. I would. So, I, I wouldn't really see either of them raked. I mean, it, but they, they were really on par with each other, more or less. Yeah. To me, it's um, it's going to come down to. Let's see. It says here he was yeah, 5 for 22, yeah. a double, four walks, two strikeouts. 227, 346, 270. Yeah, Santander won. Yeah. Santander won. Uh which means that I get to pick first. Sorry that we made that whole thing a debacle. Like I had to see the numbers. I wanted to see like OPS and on-base percentage and yeah. stuff like that. So Santander won. I think I mean, how can I not take Adley Rutschman? <laughs> how can I not? How can I? How can I leave him out there for you to take for the third time in four weeks? Yeah, you can't do well. Right. I, I couldn't take him again, but uh, oh, that, that, that's, that's would not true, be able to. T- how how can I leave him out yeah, there I, and and then risk you being able to take him next week if you win this week? So yeah, um, so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Adley Rutschman. Tough choice here. I, Tony Taters has been playing well, but I, you know, I'm gonna go with Kyle Stowers because Kyle Stowers two hits last night. I feel like he's starting to to turn it on in the major leagues, getting comfortable. I like Kyle Stowers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, it, it, it's an outlier pick. I feel like it, it, sure. it's one of those picks where it's like maybe he's comfortable now. He's gonna turn it on a little bit. Yeah, maybe he'll hit so. a couple home runs. Well, I, I honestly, I hope that we tie. I I, I hope that. It, okay. Or I hope that you win because Kyle Stowers hits three home runs this week and Rutschman only hits two. <laughs> would, lo- would love that. Right. Would love that. Uh, so that means I get to go first for final thoughts here. And uh, my final thoughts here are that every time I start to doubt the Orioles mm-hmm. this season, they prove me wrong. I'm not going to lie to you, man. That game against the White Sox that they ended up winning because Stowers hit the game-tying home run the other night, that was as close as I've been this year to washing my hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm I'm watching the team with another lifeless offensive performance. Yeah. I'm watching um, uh, the 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 bullpen come in and kind of falter a little bit. And 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 I'm and I'm looking at this, and I, and I felt like that was a game that the, the Orioles were winning most of that game, and then they, yeah. they ended up uh, giving it up in like the sixth or seventh inning. And I'm watching that game, and I'm like, man. This team, they, they're just not hitting. The bench yeah. isn't deep. The bullpen's faltering the last three weeks. Starting rotation has been really good, but at, at what point do you start to feel like it doesn't matter how well I pitch, my team can't hit? Yeah. And I was like, it's not that I was, I, I'd never give up on the Orioles. I'd never not, I, I mean, I've wa- I watched every game in a 110 loss season last year. Was, I, I'd never give up on them. But it was as close as I've come this year to being like, I can't. I can't do this anymore. If if they win, cool. If if they don't, I don't care. Like that's as close as I've come. And then they end up pulling out that victory. And yeah. it was it was such an epic comeback victory in a game where they look dead in the water. And then Stowers hits the home run. And then Santander with the walk off uh, base hit in the which may have been a, a base hit if the guy's playing at normal depth because he yeah. hit it so hard. Yeah. Um. And then they come out last night and they they. 
they beat an Astros team two to nothing, and you don't get Matthew Orioles for only scoring two runs last night because of the fact that Lance McCullers is a good pitcher. Very. Jose yeah. Okiti is a good pitcher. Justin Verlander is a good pitcher, and that's a damn good team. Yeah. And you went into their house and you held them to four hits and no runs. Right. In a game that you that, that in in a series where your own fans, your Eric Arditi is like the biggest Orioles fan I've, and that's huge for me to say because everybody calls me the biggest Orioles fan they know. Um, Eric Arditi is arguably the biggest Orioles fan I've ever known. And he even said that this was the first series where he actually didn't believe that the Orioles could win. Mm-hmm. And so your own fan base doesn't think you can go in there and win, and then you go and you win that first game. Mm-hmm. I can't give up on this team ever. The, this team has so much grit and determination, and yeah. even when, when their back's against the wall, they come out swinging. You, you can, all the cliches in the world you can use for this team, yeah. but it's true. They never stop yeah. fighting. And when everybody else doubts them, they come out and they kick your ass. Yeah. And it's awesome. It's awesome. I, I, I won't say that the Orioles won't sweep this series now. because, And I'm not saying that they're going to. But if you said, do you think the Orioles are going to sweep the series? I was, I, I'm not going to bet against it. Right. Because they have proved everybody wrong every step of the way. I'm all in, man. I've been all okay. in for a good while. But I'm all in. And I know moves are coming this week. Yeah. Moves are coming this week. I really think, and, and, and Stan's point about the bullpen, uh, about those guys coming into the bullpen in Hall and Wells, Yeah, I love it. That gets me excited. It makes me think there's some juice coming at the, t- in the there last is. month of the season. There's some juice. Bring on the Blue Jays. Br- bring them on. So my final thought for today is just going to be a call to some of the lesser-known offensive players, some of the guys that you know maybe don't play every single day, or even if they do, bad at the bottom of the lineup, or you know are, aren't you know they're not the Ryan Malcastles or the Anthony Santanderes, the Adley Rutschmans of the world, but guys like Jorge Mateo, Ramon Arias, um, even Odor. I'm calling on these guys right now to to step up and take the place of guys like Ryan Malcastle and Austin Hayes while they're not hitting, and like Ramon Arias did last night. Be that guy who comes through for the team. Um, you know, this offense is kind of sputtering right now. They need energy. They need something to get it going. But the guys like Mateo and Arias, um, Odor, even Chirinos, step up and, and really do it for them in, the, in this final month of September and just and come through time and time again. That This is the time. This is the time to, to you know, to step up and, and try your best to help this team make the playoffs. And, you know, if you're not already, it's – this is it's really an important time, and with Ryan Malcastle and Austin Hayes playing the way they are, it, it makes it even more important. Well, so and I like that you included Chirinos in that because before yeah. his last start, he was hitting three seventy nine over his last seven games. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, when I saw his batting average up over one eighty, and that's nothing to write home about, right? No. But when I saw it up over, unless you're Chris Davis, um, <laughs> a little shade there. Um, when I saw his batting average up over one eighty, when the last I looked, it was like one fifty. Yeah. I was like, oh, the bats, the bats come on for him a, a little bit, and I, and I like your point because sometimes R- Rutschman's not gonna have Rutschman's gonna have a game where he goes zero for four with a couple right. of strikeouts, right. and, and Santander's gonna have a game where he goes one for four with a bloop single that yeah. doesn't do anything, yeah. and you know Mullins might go zero for three, and that might all happen in the same game. And then if you have Ramona Rios hitting the two run homer last right. night, or Jorge Mateo hitting the three run double last Sunday, um, or Tyler Nevin having a pinch or, hit home run, something, or, or Tyler right? Nevin with the three run homer against against the Royals back right. in June to help the Orioles win the last two games of that series, yeah. Um, those unsung heroes that come through and right. like and, and look, I, I hate on the lineups that, that Hyde puts out when he has Nevin and McKenna and Chirinos all yeah. playing at the same time. 
Um, but sometimes those guys come through, and when they do, it's usually in a situation where you where you need it. So, uh, bravo, Zach, bravo. Um, anything you're looking for in the Ravens game tonight? No, I'll be there, though. I will oh, be there nice. tonight. Um, I... I guess Tyler Huntley's going to play. I'm assuming he will. Um, looking for more of the same from him. I hope they sit Isaiah Likely. I don't want to see Isaiah Likely take one snap because you're just showing the entire NFL um, what this guy can do. I bet he plays the first series. I think that's a terrible idea. I This guy is so good that I, I want him to play so much during the regular season. I think he's wide receiver two for them. Even though he's a tight end, he's basically wide receiver I, two. I do think that he's good. But we're watching him do this against second and third strings. He did it in practice, though. Like he's mossed Marlon Humphrey. And stuff. Like this okay. guy has okay. has really done a lot in practice and, and kind of shown out. There's some highlights and stuff in in the Wired episode if you watch them, which are really good. Uh, Ravens PR team does a or not PR team, but marketing team does a great yeah, job oh, on fantastic. those, and productions are amazing. Um, I I don't want to see this guy play at all because again, the Ravens have so much limited receiver depth that you know he's obviously tight end but again he's not a great blocker probably going to play more as a receiver than a tight end um similar similar to what mark andrews does i i say stash him and bring him out week one against the jets and let him eat because that's i, I don't want to see him play um i do want to see josh ross a little more tonight and, mm-hmm. and hopefully solidify his spot at middle well, Ty, linebacker ties bowser is going to start the year on the pup list and yeah. so, so is gus edwards right so they, they they need some depth and i heard that yeah. josh ross has made a good name for himself he has he played really i don't know if you watched last week but he played really really well he had like six tackles and um these were like solo tackles too like mm-hmm. I, the guy was just all over the field um re- this is a team that really needs a middle linebacker they haven't yeah. patrick queen has not lived up to expectations well he's, he's gonna is he gonna play outside linebacker now I mean, they I, got, they I don't got, know. They got Josh Bynes. Uh, well, I think they, I think they switched him uh, to the other side. Uh, okay. I, I think they had him. The terms for it are above me. Malik Harrison looked like a beast. Last he week. did. He did. I, I think it's speed and, and coverage abilities are what's going to hold him back. But Josh Bynes, the vet, he'll be there. Um, it, it'd just be really nice if Josh Ross was able to do what he did in that preseason game in the, in the regular season. But yeah. that remains to be seen. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm. I'm going to record the game because I'm going to be at work tonight. Um, I record all the preseason games. I I watched bits and pieces of the game last week. I watched enough of it to not have to go back and watch the recording. Yeah. um, Because I was at my buddy's house and we were mostly watching the Orioles in the Little League Classic. Right. Um, I watched a lot of that too. I don't expect to see many, if any, starters tonight. Yeah. Um, we haven't seen Rashad Bateman. Do you think he gets a series? I hope not. Yeah. I I don't want to risk any of these guys. They were so beat up last year. I think that they're saying nobody's playing. Yeah. Nobody's playing. Um. Because last year, Dobbins played one series in that third game right. and got the knee bent backwards. Right. Uh, you know, and if you put him, Lamar Jackson played one series the entire pre. Now, Dobbins had played in the other two games, but Dobbins not going to play. Uh, I'd like to see somebody kind of separate themselves. Yeah. I want to see a little bit more of Tyler Beatty. Okay. Yeah, um, me too. Me too. Um, Mike Davis, I think he was. He's okay. I think he was the worst starting running back in the league last year. Like, yeah. in, in, in my opinion, I don't think he. I don't know that he was statistically. He's one of those power guys that is really like it's a two-yard gain and another four-yard gain and another three because he just keeps the legs turning. I, he's not a guy who's going to break many, and he's that's like kind of my concern with him. Right? Like he's he's going to get you. He's going to do what Gus Edwards does, just not nearly as well. Yeah. Um. He's he's a big guy. I mean, they they always talk about his thighs. They always say like this guy has the biggest thighs in the NFL. He's massive. The dude pushes, but he's just not really that explosive and not that fast. I haven't... And people have been highlighting certain plays by Adafi Owe. I, you think he'll play tonight? 
I hope not. <laughs> um, I don't want to see anybody. I, I want to see. I want to see more quarterback pressure because mm-hmm. I don't feel like we've seen a lot of it. No, I. I mean, Stephen Means has done a decent job. Uh, John see, Means is long lost brother. Stephen Means. That's <laughs> the thing. That's the guy who I was watching him the first two weeks, and he got after the quarterback, and he yeah. he hurried him, but he never called him. Yeah, he looked. He he, he did he, in the first game though. Week one, he he did. I think a few times, like uh, maybe one sack. I I kept watching him, and I remember specifically singling him out because he would get into the backfield consistently, and yeah. everybody would just run away from him. Yeah, and they, 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 they not, got away from him. he's not quick. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. So uh, not much that I'm looking for uh, tonight. Just get out of the game healthy. Right. Two weeks away from the Ravens' season opener against. Is that a is that a home? Uh it's not a home. It's uh, a, yeah, that's right. It's it's, 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 in the, it's in the Meadowlands, right? So. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I think Lamar Jackson's going to do something we've never seen this year. I, I, yeah. I, I think he said he put on like seventeen, nineteen pounds yeah, of muscle did, yeah. in the off season. They say he's thro- the people who have been at practices say he's been throwing better than they've better ever than seen. Ever. Um, you're going to have a two tight end set a lot of times, yeah. plus Rashad Bateman. Um, why they got a. Maybe Demarcus Robinson is that guy. I don't. Uh, I don't know. He's a pass blocker. He was like third ranked pass blocker last year as far as uh, wide receivers go. So mm-hmm. I think that's why they signed him. He, he's basically Sammy Watkins to me. Maybe a little worse. I, I'm what not you, excited about Ro- him. Ronnie Stanley. He's back practicing. Yeah. And I, I know we got to get out of here. I, I, I'm. I'm sorry, man. Um, just real quick, Ron, Ronnie Stanley. Do you have any confidence that he'll be the same player? I no. I can't say I do. He's got, um, he's got two weeks to practice if he wants to be ready for week one. I just hope he's serviceable. That's kind of what I, I think. I'm really concerned because that contract was, what, five years, $100 million, $90 million, somewhere in that yeah, area. Yeah. That's a long time, and it's. I hope this doesn't turn out to be Chris Davis. I really hope well, it doesn't. But, but it, the NFL is a little bit different. The, oh, of course it is. It, and and they, can, they can turn a lot of that uh, cap hit into bonus money and everything and, and right. help that out uh, down the road, but... Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely not optimistic when it comes to Ronnie Stanley, but I hope he proves me wrong. Yeah, I, I think we all do. And if he gets back and he's the Ronnie Stanley, this offensive line could yeah. be massive. And the Ravens, are, they, they'll probably lead the NFL in rushing yeah. if he's yeah. back. All right, that's going to do it for us here on the Batter Round. Uh, special thanks to Stan the Fan Charles for his weekly segment. Great as always. Paul Moncano, he did text me and then he called me uh, to apologize. He... He had some other stuff going on. We're going to try and get him on the show next week. I will not be here next week, yeah. uh, but Ryan Blake will be filling in for me. I will see you guys in two weeks. Uh, Zach will be here next week with Ryan Blake, and maybe Paul Moncano will be able to do next week. Perfect. Until then, and then for me, until two weeks, see ya!